What up, B-Rob? What up, Mrs. B-Rob? This is Hoppy that's checking in with y'all. Uh, for real, I went on a date uh, last week. The week before, I was sitting in traffic. Went home from work, stopped by the liquor store, got me some Ta'aka Vodka and uh, some some of that peace tea. I like the green tea. Uh, I also like the peach tea, but uh, the, this particular time I got the, the green peace tea. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm driving home. And it's a nice day. Got my windows down and all that. And I pull up the red light, and there's this redhead sitting over in the Mustang. Fine as can be. So I hollers at her and uh, get her number. And so we was texting, and I was like, you know, we're going to go get some dinner one night and kick it or whatever. She's like, yeah, I still live at home, whoop-de-whoop-whoop. You know, I'm going to try to make you meet my parents and all that, but, you know, it might happen. Now, that is, that's just weird and uncomfortable first date, but, you know, whatever. She's hot. So uh, I heads over there. Her dad answers the door, and this motherfucker is, like, enthusiastic. Like, I don't know if he wants to move her out or what, but he's just, like, you know, thanking me for taking her out. And, I mean, just, you know, overly cheerful. Just thank you. I really appreciate this, all this. And I'm just, like, I'm thinking, what? So, anyways, man, couple minutes. Here he come, carrying this bitch down the stairs. Carrying this bitch down the stairs, bro. B-Rob, she didn't have no legs, man. I couldn't see it because she was in the car, right? And uh, so now I'm like, oh, fuck. And, I mean, she's hot, but she ain't like, you know, make a girlfriend out of a girl with no legs hot. But so I'm like, man, you already in this far. You got to take this bitch out. So we go to dinner, and I get her out the wheelchair and into the booth, and, you know, everything's cool. She's cool. And uh, everything goes great, and so I'm taking her home, and we're driving, and she sees this big ass tree in this park, and said they used to go there when she was a kid or whatever. Wants me to pull over, so she's like, you know, will you will you hang me up on that branch? I just want to hang by the branch. So I pick her up and get her on my shoulders and get her up in this tree, and she's hanging there. And I'm thinking to myself, it's a goddamn good thing my buddy Jacob didn't take her out, because I swear to God he'd have left her hanging there. Swears, but uh. You know, this is me, so I ain't going to do that. I'm thinking, you know, this bitch ain't got no legs. Maybe she can get in some crazy positions, give her some roadhead. <laughs> so when we get back to the car, oh, shit. Wait, man, what the fuck? Hold on, I got to go. Here we go. You are now listening to Random Rambling with Rock. Yay! Yeah! Boom, boom. Boom. What up, everybody? This your boy, B-Rob, and I am back with another edition of the Random Rams with Rob podcast. First and foremost, let me thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week and jamming down on my glorious podcast. If glorious is a word that you want to use to describe it, I like to also use awesome, stupendous, um, great P cool um, and all the good things you can call it bullshit or dumb or stupid or whatever. I mean, as long as you're listening to form that analysis, <laughs> but Hey, it is what it is. All right. Let me tell you about this episode right here is voicemail heavy. I got a whole bunch of voicemails. Uh, one that you just heard from Hoppy Rogers. And you know, he always like to tell stories and shit, but Spoiler, he tried to set me up 
that motherfucker tried to get me. What it is, is um, a couple of days ago on Twitter, he got me with a D's nut joke. And yeah, I fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. So he sent me this voicemail today because today is Sunday. The episode should have been out by now, but I had family things and stuff to do. I had to work on Saturday. Work. Yes. And he uh, told me on Twitter that the voicemail that you just heard was a setup for a D's nut joke. So, yeah, I found it out. I called him on this bullshit. And yeah, motherfucker. Ha 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 ha. But try again and see if you can get me. If you got a compelling way to get me with your D's nuts joke, I like to challenge you to try to get me. Cause you won't. Happy caught me at a moment of weakness <laughs> and it'll never happen again unless he is very crafty and catch me while I'm drunk or something. Then I'll probably get all the D's nuts jokes. So yeah. But, hey, man, I ain't going to even try to uh, curb the guests that I have for this week. But, man, I got a lot of freaking voicemails. I got a voicemail from Ray from the Naked Porch Podcast. He kind of called in and gave me some live commentary in reference to the last week's episode with the hashtag Blackout Podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. And also, he called right back and left another voicemail. Um kind of giving the story because if you haven't heard the episode last week we was talking about stealing you know i got caught stealing on the military base before i joined the military i was like 16 years old or whatever and um you can hear the story on the last episode but ray called back again after he left a voicemail to leave another voicemail telling about how he got caught stealing out of convenience store so this is two voicemails i'm gonna go ahead and play them back to back for you right now Yeah. Anyway, I don't heard you earlier on the fifth cast uh, podcast. You were singing a song, Dick in the Box, and then you gave a little explanation of, you know, the steps to putting your dick in a box. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Currently, I am listening to your podcast with the motherfucking Blackout podcast. Oh, my God. What in the actual fuck is going on today? Today has been a crazy-ass day. Um, podcast, by the way, is awesome. I'm laughing my ass off. Y'all motherfuckers crazy and shit. Anyway, um, I want to give y'all a call and say, I really don't know why I called. I just saw, I was like, you know, I'm going to call and leave a goddamn random voicemail about nothing. I'm driving on my way to Connecticut um, at work, taking care of service calls. Got to go fix some goddamn machine. Some bullshit. No time for this. I'm a look. Anyway, um, I'm getting some goddamn shout outs. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna give a shout out to Sean from Harley Awkward. Uh, a little shout out to Tony from God Shake Mommy Hole, the Razor and, and MBI and Fear of Big Can. Um, my man JT and Chuck from Status Talk Podcast. I'm bringing y'all into the random row. I'm getting fucked. Thug life. Um, who else I give a shout out to? I ain't giving no damn shout-out. Fuck a shout-out. Shout-out is bullshit. What else I'm going to talk about? Uh, anyway, um, I assume you're doing well because, you know, you start work these days now. You got some weird-ass recording set up in your sister's bedroom, a childhood home. Um, yeah, so that's it. You sound a little weird, but 
overall, the show is pretty good thus far. Um, what else? I know I'm about to be cut off, but that's how your voice now do. Let's get a couple minutes in and it'll be like, Beep! and he'll be like, what? I wasn't done talking yet. Some bullshit. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I'm sitting in traffic. I'm actually kind of bored. Ain't shit really going on other than that. Um, but you know, you got, I got your show on and it's keeping me entertained. I just wanted to call you and, and tell you that I appreciate your show. Appreciate what you do. Uh, it keeps me entertained on the road while I'm driving from place to place. Uh, the traffic is bullshit though. Just saying. I don't like fucking traffic. Anyway, uh, I think that's all I got to say. Um, you know, stay up, player, and shit. Yeah, that's all I got to say. All right, yo, peace. So, when I was a kid, right, I listen to your episode now. Y'all talking about stealing silly little kids and getting caught and shit. When I was a little kid. I was probably 11, right? I go to Shopwell, which is was a, like a spinoff of the A&P. You know, so you call it Save the Center Shopwell. Anyway. I'd go in there and steal candy bars all the time. I would go in there, and I'd be looking at shit, throw one in my pocket, keep looking at shit, throw one in my pocket, you know, all that kind of shit. This went on for months. I ain't never got caught. I was good at it. And one time, I got cocky. I thought I was going to give me a sandwich. Fuck this candy shit. I'm moving up. Give me some real food. So I decided to go to the deli. <laughs> I ordered me. <laughs> I ordered me an Italian combo wedge. All the fixings, you know, the fucking uh, lettuce, tomato, onion, uh, uh, Italian dressing or whatever the fuck, oil and vinegar, uh, you know, whatever, the whole thing. Big old wedge, wrap that bitch up. And I said, I was going to stick it in my arm inside my coat and then just walk out the door. By the way, I didn't think I was going to get caught, but lo and behold, um, somebody noticed. That I had a ginormous bulge in my fucking arm as an 11 year old kid. <laughs> and I thought in my head at the time, I go play this off. I just tell them I've been working out. That's how it works. I mean, whatever. Anyway, so somebody grabbed me uh, and was like, Excuse me, uh, you know, what you got in your coat? And I was like, What you mean with that? What? What you mean when I got my coat? Like, it's, like it's not noticeable. I had confidence. They're going to be like, oh, you're right. Just go right ahead. Well, anyway, uh, it didn't go the way I expected. Um, they ended up bringing me to their office, scaring the shit out of me, telling me they're going to call the cops unless I pay for this. I ain't got no money, Rob. I'm going to pay for this. Shit. So what they did was call my mother, and my mother had to come and, and, and get me out of Shopwell, motherfucking jail, and pay for the goddamn sandwich. And she was not happy, and she whooped my ass. And that was my story. I never did that shit again. But, you know, I just went back to stealing candy bars. Because, you know, I learned a lesson. Don't steal big shit. You got to stay small. You don't get caught when you steal small shit. Damn. Fuck. Come on, Ray. You can't be sitting up there trying to steal your $5 foot longs. <laughs> I don't know, man. Food. I can... I, I I stole a lot of shit, but food was the one thing that I couldn't steal, you whatever, because I couldn't figure out the logistics of that shit. I mean, obviously you had a good plan mapped out in your head with sticking the the sandwich down your coat sleeve or whatever, but 
<laughs> I guess it didn't work out for you. Appreciate you, Ray. Uh, thank you for listening to the show, uh, contributing in areas as far as guests and merchandise and all kind of shit, man. I appreciate everything you do for the podcast. And man, that voicemail. Thank you for your voicemail once again. Up next, we got Jared, one half of the black. <laughs> I can't talk. One half of the hashtag blackout podcast. And he posed a question and he sent me a voicemail from my favorite place, Walmart. So I'm going to go ahead, let you hear his voicemail, hear the question that he posed to me and feel free to hit me up via voicemail or whatever other medium that you want to contact me to respond to his question because he's asking it to you all as well so here's jared from the hashtag blackout podcast what's up b rob jared from the hashtag blackout podcast one half the one who likes to say yeah man a lot thanks for that one anyway guess where i'm at your favorite place walmart sadly i think of you every time i come to walmart but i guess not that sad because you're a good dude you're from Louisiana, you live in the H, so hey, it's all good. Anyway, so I've addressed this on my show. I want to see what you and your people think about this, because uh, this just happened to me. Have you ever been in a store walking down an aisle and somebody farted in front of you? You know, they already passed you, right? They farted and you just didn't know that, and then you happened to walk into their fart dust on a full inhale sucked up half of their tooth into your lungs. Did that happen to you? It just happened to me. And let me just tell you, I wanted to turn around to that little old white lady and say something to her. But then again, I've done it too. Anybody out there who's ever crop dusted and then, uh, you know, walked down an aisle and had somebody walk into their crop dust, you're on my show, I'd say tap your love box and you and Rob show, just hit that random button, baby. Anyway, we're blacking out. Take care. Great show. Peace. Thank you, Jared, for your uh <laughs> your voicemail. Hey, crop dusting in the Walmart. Have I ever been through a mysterious poo cloud less left by one of the patrons of Walmart? Yes. Yes, I have. I had a motherfucker crop dust me on one of them goddamn handicapped scooter basket things, man. What type of shit is that? It's like the motherfucker farted and then the wind and the momentum that he generated passing by me in the motherfucking cart. Just man, it, sh- it was enough to like pick me it like a bouncer, pick me up by the back of my shirt and drug me down the aisle and shit. That's how hard it hit me. So, yes, I have been crop dusted many a times and not even crop dusted a motherfucker. How do you fart out of your ass and it sits in one place and lingers? I seen I was down in one of the nastiest places to do it is in the the cereal aisle. Not because, you know, is the cereal aisle It's because kids go down that aisle. And, you know, the cereal aisle is a happy aisle. And for you to leave a lingering fart cloud in the motherfucking cereal aisle is just heinous. And you should be shot and drugged down the street by your fucking appendages. I won't say what appendages, but you should be drugged for farting in the cereal aisle. 
That's, that's holy ground. There's something for everybody in the cereal aisle. And you're defiling it with your poo stank. So, yeah. And, hmm. I might have. I might have done it. <laughs> but it wasn't like on purpose or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't think, you know, people got to fart, I guess. But my stomach was hurting. I, I ate some junk that I wasn't supposed to eat. And I went down the aisle that nobody was occupying or whatever. I made sure I was away from people and I've pooted. And then I was like, ah, all right, that wasn't so bad. And then I walked away and then I came back because I forgot to get what I was going to get on that aisle. I, I, I went down the aisle that I had to get something off of that was empty. So I pooted. Then I walked away. I was like, oh, shit, let me go back and get what I was supposed to get. And I crop dusted my damn self. <laughs> so Jared, I hope that answers your question. And for anybody out there listening, go ahead. You answer the question. Send me a voicemail for next week's show or another show uh, describing your crop dusting mishaps and everything. <laughs> next on this voicemail train, we got my man, Tony Rager, the artist formerly known for the God-shaped mommy hole. Now it is rebranded and renewed as the joint narcissism. I don't think the is in there. It's just joint narcissism. And it's with a G because the G is silent and he is a G. And you can't teach that for all my Enzo fans. But anyway, apparently he had some kind of issue or whatever with a podcast. I'll let you hear him explain it. But hey, man, hope you get through your issues and everything and you're feeling a lot better and give Tony a listen on his podcast Joint Narcissism. Leave that motherfucker review. It's a new show. It's trying to get some legs up on them. So go on over to iTunes or wherever else they'll allow you to rate and review and do that for my man Tony. But anyway, here's his voicemail. Man, I don't even know what the fuck is going on in this world these days. Some fucking B-Rob over here rambling and shit. I'm over here going crazy like a madman. Hey, if anybody out there listened to my latest episode, and if you don't know who this is by my voice, this is Tony Rager. I posted a psychotic breakdown, alcoholic binging episode this past week, and I deleted it. It was embarrassing. But I needed to get that shit off my chest. I needed to get it out because I hold it all in, and it was driving me crazy. So now that I'm feeling better... I want all you motherfuckers that support Random Rams and Rob, go check out my podcast, Joint Narcissism. Narcissism has a silent G, because I'm a fucking G. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not G. I'm not gangster at all. I'm like, I'm sort of nerdy, but I look cool. I look like a cool guy, but I'm really nerdy. I'm really, really nerdy. Uh, yeah, so, uh, shout out to my peeps down there and wherever you are. Later. Man, and that was it. That was the last voicemail. And I appreciate everybody who sent in voicemails and everything. This has been a voicemail record for the podcast. Fucking awesome. And hey, man, hit them all up. Um, listen to Ray over there on the Naked Porch Podcast. The Naked Porch Podcast. They naked on the porch podcasting. Go ahead. Listen to my man, Tony Rager on the Joint Narcissism Podcast. And Jared and Jay over on the hashtag 
Blackout Podcast. And wherever the fuck Happy Rogers at on Twitter, follow that motherfucker and tell him your best D's nuts joke. All right. So let's roll into it. This week I have a guest. I met this man through um professional wrestling and he was a guest on the fan forum for the pipe bomb with McCool and company, which I co-host on. So, you know, he was a, I interacted with him a lot on Twitter and we started to bond over our love for Sasha Banks and her sexy ass. But, um, having him on the pipe bomb with McCool and company seemed like a knowledgeable individual, cool guy. So I asked him to be on my podcast so we can talk about other things besides professional wrestling. You know, I want to get to, to know the guy a little bit. His name, his Twitter handle is a uh, King Ajar. Now, when I first seen this thing and um, I started hearing the name frequently on the um, pipe bomb with McCool and company because it's a fan question driven show and he was one of the guys that always send questions in i would always hear that name king ajar king ajar or king ajar and i was like that dude had to be foreign he had to be like not from the united states which in my mind i was thinking he might have been you know from like one of them desert countries or whatever i mean like i'm not trying to be racist when i say this stuff i've been deployed to foreign countries mostly Iraq and Afghanistan, and I thought it was more toward that area of person or whatever. But having him on the pipe bomb with McCool and company, I got to hear his voice. I was like, oh, this dude is an American. I wonder what's the meaning behind the name King Ajar. And um, as you'll hear on this episode, which me and this guy, well, mostly him, because I was trying to, you know, get to know him and. But with this podcast, with this show, I mean, it's mainly for the guests. You know, I have my own questions out of curiosity or whatever. Sometimes when you get a person um, that's versed in a lot of things and they know a lot of stuff, it winds up being their podcast and I'm like a guest. So they wind up asking me questions and stuff and kind of put me on the hot seat like, what the fuck? I didn't expect to get asked questions on my show this is my show i'm supposed to be asking the motherfucking questions so i mean i always find that fun when things like that happen because it makes for good conversation so i wind up asking him what his name meant which you will hear in the episode but since this episode was so fucking long i'm gonna have to chop this motherfucker in two parts <laughs> god damn it will wind up being close to three hours worth of content and I was thinking about just cutting some things out and uh, chopping it down for size. But um, listening back to it before I ed- started editing and everything, I, I-, I didn't want to leave anything out. So I'm going to make this a two-parter uh, with my man, King Ajar. So, I mean, honestly, you-, you won't get the explanation for his name until you listen to the second half of the episode which will be out not next week, but the week after, because I'm putting a episode in the middle of the two parts, because this is episode 68. Next week will be episode 69. (laughs) If I had my soundboard plugged in, I would have played my little sexy time music, but I don't have it set up. So, yeah, on episode 69, I'm going to have a lady on my episode. I tried to get... Tiny Ebony to come back on for 
episode 69, but she probably fucking and sucking dick or something. You know, she get paid to do that. So it's not, you know, rude that I say it that way because that's what she do. I mean, I haven't actually seen one of her movies yet, but I'm pretty sure she probably fucking and sucking dick. So that's what she do. That's her profession. She's a porno star. <laughs> but um, it didn't work out. So I got... Um, I don't even know. I mean, I know it's Foxy with two X's, not three X's because she not triple X rated. But according to her, I mean, there's some stuff out there on the Internet that she put out years back that, <laughs> you know, she's going to have to disclose if she ever run for public office or anything like that. But um, it didn't get X rated. It didn't get freaky time. But I thought it would be fitting for episode 69 that I would have a lady on my podcast. Maybe I even have Miss B Rob in there for the intros and outros in there so we can speak of some sexy time. I said might. I'm not guaranteeing anything with Mrs. B Rob. She does what she wants. <laughs> but yeah, in this portion, in this half of this podcast with um, King Ajar, this is part one. I mean, we mainly, <laughs> this dude is crazy over Sasha Banks. So, Part one of this whole podcast is majority about Sasha Banks. And even though we lead away from Sasha Banks and we talk about professional wrestling, which is her field of profession, whatever we wind up talking about, because we talk about shoes and the WWE network and, you know, just business aspects of the WWE network, what we would like to see, what we, we think the network can do to tweak it and, you know, make it better. But it always wind up coming back to Sasha Banks. <laughs> so majority of part one will be just that Sasha Banks, the WWE network and some of his, uh, things about shoes and everything. But like I said, Sasha Banks, the whole episode. Also, I do apologize for some of the audio and everything. It was kind of, you know, um, the voice was kind of distorted on, in the beginning or whatever. It kind of evened out and everything. But if I would have cut those things out, you've been missing key points in the episode so i apologize for that also me and ajar was both eating so at the beginning of the episode you're gonna hear me eating some ice cream which was nasty as fuck because it was low calorie ice cream because i'm trying to eat a little healthier and i wanted some ice cream and it just as i describe it it tasted like ice with somebody just poured a little bit of cream in there (laughs) that shit sucked i ain't never buying that shit again and Ajar was eating some too. You can hear him crunching in the microphone and rustling around in a bag of some sort. And you're going to also hear an infamous ding in the background because of his alarm system. <laughs> and I call him out on it too. So look forward to all those fun filled things on part one of the interview with King Ajar. And we're going to roll right into it on this edition of the Random Rams with Rob podcast. So. What's uh? Do you have like some intro you do or something or? No, this is the show. <laughs> okay. You're gonna obviously edit some of this out, right? I guess. Do I need to? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, just us talking to make sure we kind of, you know, you we I stay on the topic or whatever do that I, stuff. Do I need to? <laughs> I don't know. It's up to you. Um. It's your show. So what do you want to, I mean, how, what do you want to start talking about? I don't know. I'm eating some ice cream <laughs> and it tastes 
just like that. It tastes like ice with a little bit of cream. <laughs> it's funny. I was at the movies with the wife. We went and saw Boss Baby. Mm, did you bring kids? No. <laughs> we just we lo- I like watching we like watching those animated movies like you know the the Despicable Me's. All that stuff. We really wanted to see Beauty and the Beast, but it was like a later showing. You're a bunch of creepers. And, hmm? You're a bunch of creepers. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, though, it's about Fate of the Furious. I'm very excited. Yes, I'm going to see that. I, I go see, I went seeing every last one of them in the movie theater, except for Tokyo Drift. You know what? I'm such a fan. I even saw Tokyo Drift in the theaters. Yes, you are indeed a fan. It was crazy because when we were on the the pipe bomb, all of us together that one time where it was me, you know, Matt mm-hmm. and Nate, they were making fun of me for liking the Fast and the Furious so much. They're like, oh, that's a terrible movie. And it's just like for me, I love like I love, you know, fast cars and just like kind of souping up your Honda Accords and stuff. And then remember, the first couple of movies were car movies. Then it became superhero movies. Yeah. Dude. Like. <laughs> like it was like impossible heist movies and shit. It wasn't even. It was. The, it got to the point of just uh, these guys are pretty much like Guardians of the Galaxy or the Avengers because they could jump out of planes with cars, land on four wheels, no damage to the car, keep driving, well, jump have, off of buses. They have parachutes, though. Yeah. Well, I know, but still, just the the technical kind of perfection with how the car lands. <laughs> Like nothing falls off the cars. Hey man, it's just it's, like it's just like wrestling, man. Everybody want to talk about how it's not, not real <laughs> and all kind of shit, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> but then wrestling, they don't get one. They don't get extra takes. Oh uh, well, I beg to differ. If, if you see Lucha Underground, they get some extra takes. <laughs> yeah, Lucha Underground's tape definitely like a TV. It's a TV show. Well, uh-huh. all the wrestling shows are TV shows, and that's kind of the thing that I was explaining to people which is like you know wrestling fans who are like older like even my generation a little bit older than me they hate like how wrestling now is so it's marginalized because you know like guys fight in the ring girls fight in the ring but they hang out as soon as the light goes off because they're friends and they're just playing characters and you know a lot of people liked it when it was more quote-unquote pure with the Oh well, the good guys can't ride with the bad guys. And the, the kayfabe, <laughs> yeah, kayfabe, right? Because I was talking to a friend of mine who, um, he's, you know, we're talking about wrestling, and, and he's just like, oh, you know, NXT man, I was such a huge fan of your girl, and she was amazing, and she was like the best heel, and she was just incredible with the way she made Izzy cry. And then I come to find out that she's like really a Bailey fangirl off camera. Like, she loves wrestling, she's a good person, and it kind of, like, ruined her boss character for me. And I'm like, yeah, she's, it's called character. She's a, you know, she's a character on camera, but off camera, she's a different person. Yeah, just imagine if a person was a dick like that all the time, for real. (laughs) Yeah, and I also said if she was really like that, she wouldn't be on posters, and she wouldn't be in DiGiorno commercials either. She would be buried at the bottom of the card but the reason that she is so publicized is because obviously that's a persona that people gravitate to but like it's like charlotte charlotte plays a really good jerk on tv but she seems like a really nice person 
off of camera. I don't know. I believe she's a little bit of a jerk for real. <laughs> no, you know what? It's fun. It's it's crazy because like everything I've ever read, it's it's more that Sasha is a little bit more of the jerk off camera than Charlotte is. Like in terms of just um, like at an airport, if you try to ask her for an autograph or a picture, she kind of brushes you off. Or Charlotte will actually take the picture. Or, Really? Yeah, well, I, you know, the whole airport thing, that's kind of something, that's a whole nother different level there. Cause like, all right, you tired as fuck. You just did like two, three shows. You got to get on a red eye and then the motherfucker harassing you in the airport when you're trying to get to your hotel room or to your car so you can go home and go to sleep. So, I mean, I can understand the motherfucker being crabby and shit, but. <laughs> so I'm going to, you know, on the rambling rods, random podcast i want to tell you a random story so you know as we talked about it i live in texas you live in texas you're you're h-town i'm in home of eddie guerrero and for those of you listening you can figure out where that is and so <laughs> yeah the, the airport here is obviously very small compared to you know you guys have yeah. love not what is it you have george w bush and what's the other airport there's a whole bunch of them yeah there's like a couple so here at el paso it's like Everybody knows that, oh, my God, the Orlando flight's coming in, so all the wrestlers are going to come in on this one flight together, unless you're Cena and you fly in on the private plane. And That's different. When he came here, he had his own plane, but the others flew in on Delta. So, like, everybody here is waiting at the airport, and they have the signs, and they have the picture, they have the cameras. Like, oh, my God, it's, it's these, you know, it's all these wrestlers. So one of the guys who works for me, he he was there at the airport and he even he said hey are you gonna go and i said no i'm not that creepy i can't do that like i'm too i'm too old and i'm too advanced to wait at an airport for somebody like it just i can't do it because i travel a lot for my job so i wouldn't like someone always harassing me when i was at baggage claim like that would be annoying so he's there with his t-shirt and randy orton's comes by and we've all heard stories about Randy Orton not being the nicest guy. Yeah. So he's there, and there's like these three kids beside him, and they want you know Randy Orton's autograph, and he wants it. So he goes to the little kids, he signs their shirts, and then he, you know, my, this guy who you know works for me, he sticks it out. He goes, "Hey, Randy, can you, can you sign my shirt?" And he goes, "Oh fuck, I'm gonna sign a grown ass man t-shirt for. It. Go get a job." <laughs> <laughs> And it was, and what was really sad about it is the, the guy I talked about for my work, his mob died the day before, and he was still trying to get autographs for wrestling. So he has like a picture with Alexa Bliss. He has a Becky Lynch, which, you know, I was telling you, like, if you had a picture with Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch, who cares about wrestling? I wouldn't care. Yeah. I wouldn't even worry about getting anything to Brandy Orton and that would Bray Wyatt. Ambrose and all the stack that I was a complete asshole to him. But I kind of told him, like, you got to think, these guys have very little privacy. They, they're they always in a different city. They fly first class. Okay, that's great. But they want some time where they don't have people. Like, it's not like an actor or it's not like an athlete where they understand that, okay, they can fly in and out of cities as teams. They have more security. These guys kind of fly on their own. Like, they don't have people protecting them because they're kind of exposed yeah so it's like you got to think but he was like well look at how nice becky Lynch was and how nice lux bliss was and i'm like yeah but 
they're, you know, it's not that they're women. It's just they're probably new to this. Like Randy Orton's 10, 12, 15 years business. He doesn't care that you're mad at him not getting an autograph. He doesn't care. He's rich, does not care. Exactly. They're kind of in that world where, you know, it's new. I'm still excited by fans coming up and asking me for an autograph. But for guys like Orton, they're like, fuck off. Like, I I want to just get in my rental and go to my my tour bus and leave because he had his own bus. So yeah. what happens is he got a car, like an Uber, taken to the to the tour bus, and then he got the bus from El Paso to Phoenix for Elimination Chamber, and then to to Oakland for the SmackDown. So he's like he's one of those guys who has that deal where he gets the the first class everything. He's not renting cars. So. That's a little. That's a little uh, wrestling. Uh, that's a little one-on-one for everybody out there. Don't harass guys at airports. Yeah, motherfuckers. Have some. Have some fucking respect for the performers. Like they are people too. They're not always going to be in character. Because I hate when people say shit like, "Well, if it weren't for us, they wouldn't be, you know, successful and famous." And they should no. Like they perform in the ring. You watch them to perform in the ring. After they're done, they don't owe you anything. Now, if you pay money like I did and Matt did to meet Sasha at Axis, okay, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> you were paying money to meet this person, take the pictures. So there's a level of acting, I, I understand. But I, I genuinely think most of them are really nice under the circumstances. But at an airport, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I have... I have, I know what it's like to fly in and out of airports for a living, and it's like, it's not fun. It's not pleasant. And, you know, these guys, man, they don't want to be bothered. They want to get their rental car, go to the hotel, and go work out and go to the next town. Yeah. So, I've only, you know, that's, I've only ran into two, well, it was, it's only been two times that I ran into wrestlers at the airport. I was stationed in um, Jacksonville, North Carolina. And I had the, I think the major airport was in uh, Raleigh Durham, and that's close to uh, Cary, um, mm-hmm. North Carolina, to where the Hardys are from, or Cameron, or whatever the fuck. So, I'm in the airport. I'm in the terminal. I'm by my gate and everything, waiting to go get on the plane. And Matt, Jeff, and Lita come in the where I'm at, and they sit like one seat away from me, and I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck. <laughs> And like, just like, have, just like you said, I didn't bother them at all. I just, just like, I just up. Oh, they here now. Up oh, there they go. Now they're getting on the plane. <laughs> so it's interesting. You talk about Cameron, North Carolina, which is where the Hardys are from. I used to work for Xerox, and one of my centers was in Cary, North Carolina. So I have been to that airport that you're talking about, which is Raleigh Durham, yeah. and then I had to drive to Cary. So here's another great wrestling story. So I was. Flying out from, well, I used to go to Florida. I went to Florida State. So in order to fly to San Diego, I had a job interview. And I had to drive from Tallahassee to Jacksonville. And from Jacksonville, it was to San Diego, but it was a stop in Atlanta. So I get on the plane. And because obviously the company who was flying me out paid for my ticket, I didn't spend any money on the plane ticket. So I was at the counter and they're like, hey, sir, you can get this upgrade. For $150 round trip. And I'm like, 
shit, like this is a four and a half hour flight. I need some comfort. Okay, great. Here's the money. So I'm sitting on the plane from Jacksonville to Atlanta. We land in Atlanta. And so they're letting people on the plane. And guess who's behind me but Bill Goldberg. This is 2000, this two, yeah, 2005. Bill Goldberg. So I have nobody sitting beside me because from Jacksonville to Atlanta, it's a, I mean, you know the South. It's a very short distance. It's yeah. like maybe a 45 minute plane ride. It's not even, it might be, yeah, it might be 45 minutes. So we get on. The people who need to get off in Atlanta get off. They let the people from Atlanta to San Diego on. And I'm sitting there. I see this big guy falls. He's, you know, he's muscular. He's coming on. He doesn't have um, a bag. He's just coming on, sits down beside me. And I'm like literally staring at him like, holy fuck, it's Bill Goldberg. Like He's sitting right beside me. This is amazing. So I didn't. I really tell him at first, hey, I'm this huge wrestling fan because he might be like, hey, can I get another seat? I'm sitting beside this guy. Yeah. <laughs> the plane. So what's ends up happening? Okay, so we take off. They ask you if you want a drink. You know, you, I don't, I don't, I think you got a beer. I don't know what I had. So we're, we're there, you know, we're drinking. And all of a sudden, he's like, I said to him, I said, okay, I can't believe I'm sitting beside Bill Goldberg. Like it completely just went out of, you know, kind of my, calm and it's like oh my god i'm sitting beside bill goldberg now this is 2005 so he left wwe in 2004 this is a year after his wrestlemania debacle with uh, lesnar yeah so he had a lot of opinions about the wrestling business in 2005 and what was amazing was just how honest he was about how kind of cutthroat the business is but how much money he made during his WCW run and how he had a chance to come to WWE in 2001 when they got acquired, when they acquired WCW, but he had the Time Warner deal where he was just getting this ridiculous paycheck to sit at home for two years. So he was just getting paid to sit at home more money than he was making. He could have made in WWE. So that's why he never showed up until three. And I think Sting had that deal and others had Ric Flair had that deal. I think Ric Flair had it for a little bit. And guys like Booker T and DDP, they took a buyout. So, you know, they had this time Warner contract, but Vince was like, okay, I'll buy you out. Here's a lump sum of money. Come work for us because they wanted just the chance. Booker T, uh, Goldberg's like, fuck that shit. I want my money. I am cashing out. <laughs> so I don't know what he made, but from what I understand, it was like, multi-millions like you were talking 10 20 million dollars like he made a lot of money so he never really needed to come back to the wwe but he did it because he just wanted to see if he could do it like hey i'm coming back okay this is the this is the place to be but he wasn't too happy then now he's a different guy now Mm -hmm. he wasn't married then he didn't kid then it was a different guy and he was doing kind of those car shows Mm -hmm. and he was living in san diego but he was a nice guy I mean, he took pictures with all the kids on the plane. He took pictures when we landed and he was getting his baggage came. Like he was a complete nice guy. But the fact that I got to sit on a plane with him four and a half hours, which he probably doesn't remember because he probably forgets all wrestling fans who talk his ear off about wrestling on plane rides. He's, he probably blacks that stuff out, but he was really nice. And I see why a lot of people like him, but man, he didn't have too many flattering things to say about his WWE experience. I wish I had a tape recorder. That would have been worth some money. (laughs) 
podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a podcast before the podcast. But what I always tell people is, like, celebrities are human too, and so they don't always want to be like they don't always want to be talked to like there's something special. Like they just probably want, uh, you know, kind of a random conversation or just like, Hey, two people talking about something else. Yeah. Well, I always tell people bad. Like if you, tr- the more you treat celebrities like celebrities, the more they'll, they'll be bad to you. They'll, they won't treat you well because they already know that, Hey, this person is such a fan. I can do whatever I want. And so they always tell you never want to meet your heroes, right? Never want to meet your your the people you look up to because you might get disappointed. Yeah. But you got to compartmentalize. But so now let's let me ask you a question. Are you from Texas, like born and raised? No, I am not. I am from Lake Charles, Louisiana. It's like two hours away from here. I know where I know where Lake Charles is. I know where it is. Well, fine. So good. I'm glad you know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know I know where Lake Charles, Louisiana is. I have a friend of mine. Um, he's like a professor at LSU, and I don't know why I know Lake Charles, but Louisiana is not a big state. It's not, not like really. a, a big state. So, how did you get to Houston? Um, when I was um retiring, we was trying to figure out where we wanted to go, and um. The old lady pretty much picked this place because um, me and her met in Savannah, Georgia. And um, <laughs> staying there for about like two years, almost three years, I, I dug it a lot. I like to see, I like the area. It wasn't too far from Florida. I mean, it was great. And when I retired, I was like, well, when I was retiring, I was like, man, we should go back to Savannah. She's like, nah, I don't know. I already lived there for so long and I don't want to go back there. I was like, all right. I was like, well, where do you want to go? She's like, I don't know. We need to be somewhere close to your parents or whatever because my parents are old as fuck. My mom be 75 this month and my daddy 85. So we should go somewhere like not really home, but close to home. And I was like, well, um, the guy Houston, that's not too uh, far from home. It's a bigger city. I mean, we used to living in fucking Jacksonville, North Carolina, goddamn bumfuck Missouri, all these little bitty <laughs> podunk ass towns and shit. So we never been to a big city. And I've been to Houston many times as a child, but it's not. I was a kid, man. I don't remember this shit. So I was like, yeah, man, we can go to H-Town or whatever. I got a brother that live out here, a couple of family members scattered all over the place. We can check it out. That's how we wind up in H-Town. <laughs> so pretty much you settled on the biggest city closest to your family. Exactly. So my story is not that simple. So you were in the military. What did you, which, uh, which branch? Marine Corps. Marines. Okay. So my uh, future, my brother-in-law, he's in the Marines. He's a officer in the Marines. He's stationed in Gulf of Pensacola. Oh man. He got the, he got the sweet life. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, he just, I mean, he just became an officer. So he, that's where he got transferred to, but he was in, uh, he was in San Diego. He was in Virginia. He was in Colorado. He was in, I think he was in Japan who, 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 as well. Who, who was that again? 
my brother-in-law. Oh man, he, Colorado and all the other bullshit. Man, he got the the fun places. I, yeah. I've been in, I was in the Marine Corps for 16 years, dog, and I've only been three places. <laughs> that was North Carolina, South Carolina, and Missouri. <laughs> so, you know, I'm from Toronto and born and raised my whole life. And then I got accepted into law school at Florida State. So I moved to Tallahassee and my dad already lived there and he worked for Governor Jeb Bush. So, I, yeah, well, we, we don't want to talk about that. It was just, you know, hey, you, you got to get it. You got to earn a living somewhere. And so I lived with my dad and then I just never went back to Canada. Like I've, I've obviously gone back to visit, but I just have lived in the States since, you know, 2002. So I've lived in Tallahassee, Miami, Bakersfield, California. Oh, I've been there. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Oh, and El Paso. That's crazy, so, man. You, 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 kinda, you ran the map a little bit. Like a gypsy. Two years in New Jersey because my dad lived in New York. Um, sorry, he lived in New Jersey, but he worked in New York. So for two years in high school, um, ninth and tenth grade, I lived with him in New Jersey. So I got to experience the East Coast. I've lived in every part of the United States. My next thing is probably going to be like Seattle or something like that. But one thing I will say is it is different depending on where you live in the States. Like if you live in Chicago and then you move to El Paso, it's like you might as well be on a different planet. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally like a different planet because the speed with how traffic moves and how, People just do things and prices and cost of living. And so later in life, I got into the world of, I want to live someplace where my dollar can stretch. So I really looked for a place that I can have my career and still enjoy life because El Paso is very cheap to live. So, you know, I always tell people, like, don't worry so much about the big city. Worry about cost of living. And that's why I like Texas because there's no state tax. Yes, sir. Because I live in California. And there's more than state tax. There's recycle tax. There's this tax. There's Man, that that's, tax. There's taxes for your taxes in California. Yeah. So it's great. The weather's great, but it's not for me. I, I like I like to live some kind of a quality of life. Like I have friends and they get sixteen hundred a month for a studio apartment. So let's talk about music. You know, we you know, you guys do the pipe bomb. Obviously, you guys are very entertaining, but you don't really talk about music. You talk a lot about wrestling. So yes, because it's a wrestling music, show, duh. <laughs> well, I I know that, but as as Wale says, you well, know, on, people who on, like hip hop. Hold on, wait a minute. This has been um, boggling my mind since you've been on the pipe bomb. What is that damn noise in the background? Is this damn being like a bell or whatever? What is that? <laughs> what 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 are you talking about? I don't know. It's like I heard it on the pipe bomb, but I didn't know who it was. It's like this sound. Is it like the beep? Is it like the beep 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 like that? No, it goes bing like that. Okay, so here's the thing. So it's by it's my alarm. It's my <laughs> alarm, and so if it like it's very sensitive. So even if like wind blows, it kind of like it's it's as if someone is in that section. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have dogs, right? I have two dogs, so if they move around the house and stuff, that's kind of what it is. 
Is that what you're talking about? Like yeah, it goes I, I beep, guess, beep, beep. No, it's just like one. It's like somebody got a bright idea and it go bing. I don't know. Anyway, I think that's what you're talking about. So probably yeah, I, I, I understand it's a it's a wrestling podcast, but let's talk about music. So you're a hip hop guy. <sighs> I listen to everything, dude. I listen to country. I listen to everything. I I, I don't limit myself to. one specific genre of music i mean if i fucking like it i like it then that's what i listen to but like okay so in the beginning that's what it was it was only rap because i was like yeah i'm black that's all i listen to (laughs) (laughs) okay so you know growing up in toronto we're very influenced by new york city you know in the in the late 80s early 90s east coast hip-hop west coast hip-hop that was that was you know that was it and so me growing up my cousin, my older cousin, who just happens to live in Jacksonville now, and he's a surgeon of all things, he got me into hip-hop at a very young age. So I was like eight years old, and he was 11. And so when I went to stay with him in New York for a summer, he was listening to something, and I just took the headphones. I started listening to it. It was LL Cool J Radio. Bigger and deaf. Uh, sorry, radio, not bigger and deafer. And I was just like, what is this? These guys are not even singing they're putting words together but they're swearing this is so cool (laughs) and i was and i was hooked from from that point on i was just hooked so you know as i got older i started to dj uh parties and stuff like that and i just built this enormous hip-hop record collection tape collection cd collection so hip-hop pretty much is like every like musically it's like 99 percent of what I listen to, but not the new stuff that's out now. I, I can't stand it. Most of it is trash. But yeah. then as I got older to what you just said, I evolved where I started to listen to some soul stuff. I listened to Motown. I listened to Marvin Gaye. I listened to, you know, Diana Ross. I listened to uh, The Temptations. And then I got into a little bit of rock. Like I got not even rock, like the, the Nirvana stuff and um, so I kind of evolved and listened to multiple genres of music, but like it's still going to be ninety-seven, eight percent hip hop. And I'm talking about like the stuff, the the early late '80s, early '90s, 2000s stuff, not the stuff now, not bad and bougie or anything like that, but just like you know Nas and Rakim and KRS and Biggie and Jay Z and Ice Cube and Dre and Eminem, all that stuff. Eminem, Eminem, Eminem. Yeah. So I always tell people, like, there are a lot of hip hop, like diehard, hardcore hip hop fans who love wrestling. But it's it's like a, a genre that WWE has never really marketed to properly. Yeah. If you really think about it. I think the most thing I ever got into hip hop was a uh, freaking AJ Styles theme music. <laughs> I mean, they have like Shane McMahon's theme music. Trish's, you know, when Trish had the Little Kim song. Yeah. Then but then their version of hip hop was crime time. Right? They had yo, yo, yo. <laughs> like these guys are wrestling in Tibbs. Yeah, and, I don't, I don't see know, how you do rags and baggy jeans. Um, I don't know. As far as music go, man, I, like right now, um, I listen to some of the stuff that's out there. But because I mean, I don't want to shit completely on everything without listening to it, you know, so I don't want to be like, oh, he do that mumble rap shit. So he automatically garbage. I mean, I at least attempt 
to listen to the album or whatever before I give it a, a certified garbage stamp. So, and then um, what I've been I, mostly listening to is independent artists or whatever, like people that I've had on my show and everything, like Sir John Lee and Zyme and everybody and Ralph Nervous. And I, that's what I've been listening to most recently. Yeah, the independent music scene is really thriving right now because there's so many platforms and so many ways to get your music out now that you don't have to rely on record labels or, you know, demos. You could go YouTube. You could, you could go, you know, SoundCloud. You could, you know, you could post it anywhere. But yeah, to your point, I give everything a listen. Like I don't just judge something. Like I don't say, oh, you're, you're born in 2000, you're born in 1997 and you're a rapper. You must suck. Like I don't <laughs> do that. But the thing is though, man, like, and I, I, when I tell people this, they don't understand because it, it might be just an age thing. But like when I grew up, the reason I loved hip hop so much was the message. Like when I listened to Public Enemy and I listened to the things that they were talking about, it really opened my eyes to like what's going on in like other parts of the country you know, in the United States. Because in Canada, we're a little bit more sheltered mm-hmm. and we're very multicultural, but a ghetto in Canada is not a ghetto in the United States. Like it's not the same thing. So what was happening in Compton or Watts or Brooklyn or Bronx, it's not the same thing that's, that's happening in, in Toronto. So it's like, I got a, I got a glimpse into what was actually happening into, into these places in the United States. So like the police brutality stuff, the political stuff, the race, all that stuff I, I learned through listening to hip hop at a very young age, because that's what those guys were talking about. The music now has been so commercialized and it's a corporate machine that it's almost like they make the music dumber because they don't want people to really kind of understand what's really happening. Yeah. But there was, there was a time, like I was telling people like in 1988, man, like the guys who were selling records and hip hop, they all made good music, like public enemy, you know, EPMD, Rock him, Slick Rick, Big Dad, they were all selling 500, 600,000 records, but they were like saying something in their music. Like, even if it wasn't, even if it was, a, it was even if the song was about a woman, it was like creatively done. It was, it had art to it. It had metaphors. It had similes. Unless it was too it had, short. <laughs> unless it was who? Yeah, unless it was too short. But you know what, man? It was good back then because there was one too short. Not everybody else was too short. Like, you're okay. You live in Texas now, but you grew up in Louisiana, so you must have some affinity for UGK. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hell yeah. So you know, I'm in Toronto. We listen to one kind of music, but I got, I got, I got my hands on pocket full of stones. Hell yeah, I had that. And I'm like, oh man, these guys took the the Pete Rock and CL interlude for Mecca and the Soul Brother, and they flipped it into a song. And I'm like, man. You know, I got a pocket full of, you know, and I was just like, man, these guys are great. Like, I love, you know, I loved their album. I loved Riding Dirty. Like, 96, yeah. when that came out, man, that was my shit. Like, yeah. that album was my that freaking, shit. Um, Joint with Ron Isley, um, one day, the next day you gone. Yeah. Whew. That was my shit. And, and so, like, I love Ghetto Boys. Yeah. Like, I saw Ghetto Boys, you know, my cousin, and I'll never, I always respect him for this when i was living in new jersey he took me to madison square garden in 1991 now check out this lineup this was an actual concert that i went to so you had public enemy naughty by nature ghetto boys 
Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Kid Play, Queen Latifah, Tribe Call Quest, Leaders of the New School, Black Sheep, Heavy D. That was on one show. Yeah, damn. That was like my whole childhood just about. So, so it's like in 1991, right? I'm losing my mind seeing Naughty by Nature on stage with Ghetto Boys doing My Mind is Playing Tricks on Me, an East Coast version that I've never heard ever since then, where it was like a remix to that song with Naughty by Nature. And this is when, like, people know. Eminem talks about how big of an influence Tretch was on his rap career, but Tretch was like the bad. In like mm-hmm. 1991, like Naughty by Nature was like the shit. Yeah, in was. 1991, when they came out with OPT, they were everything. And so, to see everybody on stage together was amazing. And this was Madison Square Garden. Like this isn't like you know the, the bingo hall. This is Madison Square Garden sold out. And it's like the greatest rapture I've ever seen. And I've never seen one better to this day. And I've been to so many. But what I was saying is. People don't understand how many diehard hip-hop fans love wrestling. Like all my friends who were diehard, hardcore hip-hop fans, we went to so many hip-hop, we loved wrestling. And I've never, I always felt like, it's something I wanted to talk about on on one of the shows, is that I don't feel like the WWE does a good enough job to market to that demographic. I've never felt like that. Yeah, because they keep getting like Flo Rida and shit. (laughs) But and this is the thing that drives me crazy, and I tell Matt this all the time, is like, I don't think they really understand how much of a crossover appeal my favorite women's wrestler has with that demographic. Like, they look at her as, hey, she sells to little girls, she sells to, to males because you know she looks a certain way, but she has a real influence on the minority demographic. Because really, if you're like a minority wrestler, if you're a wrestling fan and you're a minority, you have New Day, you have Naomi, you have Sasha. Oh boy. The <laughs> last two you said, Naomi and Sasha. Woo. Well, but the thing is, New Day, they're kind of a comedy act and they're great, mm-hmm. but they don't have like, the, like in my opinion at least, they don't have the edge they used to have when they first did that, that shtick. They're still entertaining. But like Sasha always had this edge. So I'll tell the story. And I never told the story um, on air. I told it to Matt off the air. I was in D.C. for a business meeting. So I'm pulling in and, you know, everybody who stayed at a hotel in D.C. knows that there's no parking. So you have to nope. do ballet for everything. <laughs> you have no choice. So I'm at the Courtyard Marriott and I pull in and they take my car. They give me the card and they take my car. And these these two guys ahead of me in the check-in line and they both have on these legit boss tank tops so i have a picture of sasha with my wife on my phone so i figured okay this is an easy way to just talk to these guys because they're fans i'm a fan okay cool so i i show them the picture like oh my god how did you meet her blah 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 and we're talking and i asked them i said so like do you guys like wrestling and they're like yeah we used to like it like when Stone Cold and The Rock and Undertaker and Triple H and everybody were Attitude Era stuff, and then we just kind of lost interest with it because it got real, it got real bad there with the Cenas and the Batistas. Like we just kind of got out of it. And we watched NXT one day. We saw her. We we're like, oh my god, <laughs> that's. And so what he told me didn't resonate with me until he told me. He goes, you know what? I go, so why do you like her? And he's just like, it's crazy, right? Because that's the girl I wanted to date in high school. Like, that's the girl I wanted to ask the prom. Like, her. 
like the way she walks, the way she talks, the way she pulls her hair, like that's who I wanted to date in high school. So it's just, it just resonated with me. Like just me, African-American man, it's like, oh my God, like they have a woman for us now. Like not everybody is six foot blonde, blue eyes, fake breasts. It's like, oh my God, like she's one of us. Like she has a booty, she has a small waist. (laughs) So they were talking about that and I told Matt the story and he's just like, Wow. And and so I've always said that I don't think like I think they understand that she's a star, but I don't think they really understand how big of a star she could be. And and I'm and I'm gonna tell you this. When I first saw her in NXT when she first popped up or whatever, I didn't like her. I didn't like her at all. I thought she looked weird. She didn't like at the time, you know, she wasn't really, you know, into her character at you know, yet. But I didn't like her at all, dude. Like not one bit, but after time and time of watching NXT and, you know, she started, you know, getting into her character and honing her craft a little bit more. I fell in love. <laughs> so was this, okay. So was she already with Charlotte and Summer Rae in the BFFs or was, was this before that? It was before that. Cause uh, Summer Rae, I think came later. Summer okay. Rae didn't really get into the picture till after Charlotte left kind of. No, no, no. So you uh, liked what I her remember. when she was like a when she was a baby face, like when she was kind of that clean cut baby face who kind of lost every week, but was a good hand. Because you know the whole. Are you there? Yeah, I'm. I'm listening. The angle was she lost. She was gonna fight Paige for the title, and this is when I started to watch NXT. When NXT was not on the network, it was a web show. It was like on WWE.com. It was not. It was either on WWE.com or Hulu or YouTube. Yeah, I started watching it on Hulu. Right. So she was like just this clean-cut baby face who won here, lost here. She was just a nobody. And she's looking in a mirror, and Summer Rae goes, I want to see you let it out. I want to see that anger. I want to see you become, you know what you can become. I don't want you. Are you going to lose to Paige again and be a loser? And so she lost the match to Paige, but she lost in like this fluky roll up manner. And then she snapped right after the match and she beat the crap out of Paige. And then Summer Rae kind of came out and clapped her. And then the next week they were the BFFs. Like the okay, next yeah, week they you're started. Right. You're right. Cause Charlotte came later. Right. And then they, they pretended like they wanted Bailey to join the BFS. Yeah, I remember. And that. Charlotte was the one saying, "No, no, 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 no. You know they're bad for you." But Charlotte turned, yeah. and then it was the three of them. And then Summer Rae went to the main roster, and it was the two of them. Mm-hmm. But like, it was weird because Summer Rae is really attractive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's 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 she has her role. Okay, she's yeah. I mean she's you know she's she's pretty. <laughs> She and so Charlotte, guy. you know, Charlotte, I think Charlotte looks better now than she now, did back yeah, in yeah. NXT. See, and that was the personally. thing. Yeah, that was the thing, too, because, like, it's the same thing, like, what you're saying about Charlotte. Like, she looks way better now than what she did then. Sasha, in the beginning, when I first started watching her and everything, she had, like, the regular tone, you know, makeup and this bright-ass red lipstick, and it drove me fucking crazy. And I was like, what is she doing? <laughs> so... To your point, but the next, I think it was like two or three weeks after when she turned on Paige, she came out with the jacket, like the the bedazzled Mm -hmm. jacket that had the SB and she had the glasses. Yeah. 
and she called herself the boss. And I was just, I was in love. I was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. Like she is everything that a mean girl should be. She's cocky. She's arrogant. She has the strut. She points at you. She talks trash to you. And that's the thing that I don't like. I love her no matter what, but man, I do miss the, the trash talking Sasha that you saw at NXT Brooklyn or you saw it when she was a heel where she would like put the, put her foot on your throat and talk trash to you and be like, I'm better than you. And she can't do that now, right? Cause she's, she's baby face and, and she can't really, she doesn't even have an edge. She's just a baby face. Like she's, she sort of gets the edge here and there at times, but like she got the edge when she beat Charlotte in that street fight. Like mm. she had kind of her edge back, but she doesn't really have it like she did at NXT. Yeah, and my, I understand my, why, because she just became so popular. Yeah. They had to, they had to ride the wave, but I fell in love with her because I thought all the women were cut from the same cloth and then she was different. Yeah. Like, Charlotte, even though Charlotte's more athletic than everybody else, she's better in the ring. She's Ric Flair's daughter. She's great now on the mic. She's still blonde and six foot, like everybody else. <laughs> Summer Rae, you know, Charlotte, Kelly, Kelly. Like I, it went on and on with just the same stock type of girl. And then, you know, Becky came, and I really liked Becky because I was like, oh, she's this is she's different. She's redhead. Yeah. She kind of has this accent. I like her. But I'm, I'm even, glad that she got rid of that damn, like, her first iteration of her outfit and shit with the little tails oh, yeah. on the back. And then she came out and danced a little Irish jig and shit. I was like, I'm glad yeah, she got rid of that shit. That, that wasn't. No, I agree. But, like, I never liked the Bellas. And I'm no. sorry, I, I know Ant's your, Ant's, you know, I like Ant, Ant's your guy, but I hate, I don't like the Bellas. Like, I, I, I cannot stand. And, and don't get me wrong, Nikki is a very attractive woman, and Brie is an attractive woman, too. They're not, I mean, they're easy on the eyes. But I hated how it always felt like to me they never cared about wrestling. They cared about everything outside of what it could get them. Like, they cared about their modeling and the TV shows. They never cared about wrestling. And you could tell those women of that generation never cared about wrestling. So AJ came along. And, you know, I thought AJ was tremendous as a character, but I never thought she was great in the ring either. Like, I thought she was a little bit overrated in the ring. When you go back and watch her stuff, it's like, eh, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and Paige was different, but Sasha was different, but I could relate to her more. Like, and then when I heard that she was Snoop's actual cousin, I was like, oh my God, this is so perfect. Like, yeah. this is like the greatest thing ever. And so she was so good at being bad that she turned the entire crowd. You know, I tell people, go back and watch her stuff early on. It's the whole crowd is chanting Sasha's ratchet. Slowly, no, it's not. 50%, 30%. 10%, no one chants it now. It's done. Yeah. And she completely turned a whole crowd that was against her for her. You know, she got as much cheers as Bailey. She was a bad guy. She got like, like she made a girl cry, mm. a little kid. And the crowd was going like a boss, like a boss. And if that isn't a great character and a superstar, I don't know what is. So I've never understood this whole, we have a star in her and we know she's a star. But what we're going to do is instead of pushing the rocket on her, we're going to use her to elevate everybody else because – well, you know, Charlotte really didn't hit as a baby face and she kind of floundered and, well, 
she's Ric Flair's daughter, and we need to make her better. So, hey, you know what, Sasha? Let's rub you onto her to bring her up. And they that's what they've done with Sasha. Like, they've used her to prop up Charlotte and prop up Bailey, and that's fine. And I understand why they do that. But it's like when Stone Cold Steve Austin – and I know Stone Cold's one of your favorites, right? You've mm-hmm. always talked about that. He's like your guy. If you go back and remember in that – I'm not going to compare Attitude Era to now because I'm past that stage. But just in the presentation, they put the rocket on Stone Cold and they rode him to the moon. Yes. They never worried about making everybody else a star too. They were just like, hey, look, this guy's a star. Either you're going to be on the trade or you're going to be off the trade. <laughs> You're going to catch this stunner, damn it. (laughs) This is it. And so, like, when I I was telling um, in Orlando, his his resume was in Orlando, but go back a year, watch the Royal Rumble, when, you know, Charlotte Becky have their match. Charlotte beats up Becky after. The crowd's shedding. We want Sasha. She comes out. The crowd goes crazy. Right there. That's it. You got to let her win at WrestleMania. You got to ride her to the moon. And I know you're gonna say I would like to ride. Oh, exactly. Ride to, I mean, you, to the boot. I, I didn't but have you to say it. You said it for me. <laughs> but so when I was talking to those guys in DC, getting back to my story, that's what attracted them back to wrestling was her specifically. Not the product is so much better now, and the wrestling quality is better. It was like that girl is so charismatic and has such a presence. You know what? Everything else on the show could suck. But I'm going to watch every week to see when her segment comes. And then when her segment's done, if I want to stick around, I'll stick around. But I got to watch what she does. And so when you go and you meet all these other people who have the same kind of feeling, you just wonder, is someone in the office really doing their homework, looking at the data, looking at the metrics and saying, man, or are they like, you know what? We know we have you. You're a sure shot. At any time we could push the button, we're going to bring up everybody. And I don't know, maybe from a business standpoint, that way works too. Yeah. Man, it was just like I remember her matches with Bailey and everything, and um when she she was working her hand or whatever, she was like mm-hmm. um, put her in the move, she would stretch her fingers out. And then when she had it in the bank statement or whatever, she was how she was stomping on her hands when she was trying to grab the rope. Man, I dug that a lot. But that was such a perfect match though. Mm-hmm. Because you know, like to me, you talked about it. I listened to the pipe up from last week, but I got to listen to it today because for some reason, I think it only went up yesterday. Yeah, it went up uh, on Monday or whatever because of the weekend. So you guys are all talking about your favorite WrestleMania moments, like your iconic moments. And, you know, Josh said Undertaker losing. Matt said Undertaker losing. And you kind of had the trifecta of Shawn Michaels matches. You, yes. you said, you know, his 24, 25, 26 match. So here's the funny thing. I was at 24 against Ric Flair. My friend, one of my best friends, he was at 25 versus The Undertaker. And I regret this now, but I had a chance to go to 23 against Cena, which you didn't talk about it, but that match was fantastic too. If you go back and watch 23 where he made invented at Cena. Yeah. And Cena came out in the Corvette, in the Camaro, and broke through the glass. Yeah, after you drove around um, the city. <laughs> but what what I said to people is the reason Shawn Michaels is so great and so much, in my opinion, the best in ring performer ever that I've ever seen 
is because three out of those four matches he lost, and you don't even remember that he lost mm-hmm. because that's how good he is. So that's kind of how I looked at Sasha versus Bailey, which is Sasha was my favorite wrestler, and I that is my girl. But she lost to Bailey, and I didn't care because the match was so good. Yeah, I didn't care. Like I kind of walked away like, yeah, Sasha lost, but she really didn't lose because she was so good that she kind of won anyway. You know, she stopped on the head. She did the, the did the flip over the top rope. She made Izzy cry. She um, put the pony uh, put the headband on and put the flower on her head. So like I remember her just as much as I remember Bailey. So both of them walked away better, yeah. which is what I think is a great professional wrestling match. Which is both competitors walk away better than when they came into the ring, and so. When you talk about Shawn Michaels, and I know Shawn Michaels is your favorite wrestler, I'm going to assume. Yeah, Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold. For the time, so, anyway. I hope Matt tells the story on tomorrow's pod, on Pipe Bob, that me and him were in line. We, we got to meet Sasha, which was great, you know, and she's beautiful in person, no question. I, I think I can't remember what happened. I think I blacked out. I don't know. <laughs> but. We got to meet her, and all of a sudden, we're walking down the stairs, and you hear, time to play the game. And his music comes out. We're like, what the hell is this? And then he's walking into the ring because NXT is – so when you guys watch NXT, the ones that are taped in Orlando, right across from that is where Sasha was at her table, like right across. So we got to walk around, and we ran because we're like, you know, Matt loves Triple H. It's like, oh, my God, it's Triple H. It's Stephanie. Then all of a sudden – you hear somebody else wants to say hi to you, Ric Flair. I think I'm cute. Yeah, uh, and Shawn yeah. Michaels comes out. We're like, what the fuck? And then Sting comes out. And Ricky Steamboat comes out. And it's like, holy fuck? shit. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, we just got to meet Sasha Banks. And now we're going to see Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Stephanie, Ric Flair, Charlotte, Sting all in the same ring together for the unveiling of his statue. So this happened like 10 minutes from each other. Like all this happened in a 10 minute span that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. That's fucking crazy, man. But Shawn Michaels, when I heard his music, I had to pop. Like, I think it's on video, but I was like, Oh my God, that's Shawn Michaels. Because (laughs) that's the guy that for whatever reason, when his music hits, I just, I don't know. It's just, he's the guy. (laughs) He's just the guy. Because I could watch any one of his matches, and he's so good. Like he's just so good. Yeah, he is. It's ridiculous how good he is. Like with him and uh, the Undertaker up until recently, dog. There was the only two people that I could say was kind of consistent in a certain way. Shawn Michaels would come off the rope, hit that forearm, and he'd do the kip up. I have never <laughs> once, I have never once seen Shawn Michaels fuck up that kip up. <laughs> never mm-hmm. once. Um. Until the Royal Rumble, I have never seen the Undertaker go over the top rope and not land on his feet. That was the only two things that I could say about those two that I never seen them consistently, you know, fuck up or whatever. They would always nail it every time. But this last time, when Roman threw the Undertaker out of the ring, he fell on his ass. And I was like, <gasps> a fucking shockwave went through my body. I was like, Oh, this this is the end. He he got to retire after this. <laughs> I don't care that Brock Lesnar beat him back in thirty. I don't care that he had two suck WrestleMania matches after that. <laughs> he fell on his ass when he got thrown over the top rope. This motherfucker need to go home and stay the fuck home for sure. 
but how sad were you when he went away? I love The Undertaker. He's one of my favorite wrestlers, favorite character. I think he's the best character. Yes. I don't know, he's not the best wrestler, but he's the best character ever. But honestly, I wanted him to retire after he lost to Lesnar. I want him to retire I, before that. <laughs> well, the, it, okay, it would have been amazing if he went out after the Punk match. Yeah, I can agree. Be, because that match was so good. So my point from the two after Sean, then um, the two with Triple H, I think the perfect ride off into the sunset moment was when they was all on the stage and they was hugging each other and they went back into the curtain. That could have been it. You're talking about in in the Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, the end of an era or whatever the fuck that was supposed to mean. <laughs> the thing about that match that was... <laughs> That match was so good. That match was ridiculously good because I marked out when Shawn Michaels super kicked him. Yes. Right into the pedigree. I'm like, oh my God, the streak is going to end. And it didn't end. Yeah. And Shawn Michaels was in the corner crying and looking like he was crying and shit. I was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, you're right. Like, when they were all on stage together, what would have been great? is if Triple H, Shawn Michaels, <laughs> and Undertaker retired. But the thing is, I, could, I I like Triple H a lot. I think he's a really good wrestler. But he did put Daniel Bryan over. Yeah. You know, he, he, he didn't put Sting over, which still oh, kind of rubbed gosh. me the wrong way because I felt like Sting needed to win that match. Retardedest but, okay. thing ever. <laughs> Especially when Sting had the match with Seth Rollins for the title. It just made more sense that he beat Triple H to stop that match. But so the thing about Undertaker is I've said it on Twitter for three months. I've said it on the pipe bomb. I've said it on other things I've participated in. I wanted not only Roman Reigns to beat him. I wanted Roman Reigns to beat him decisively and to a pulp because it's time to move on from the nostalgia acts. Like, as somebody who owns WWE stock. I do, too. The way... Oh, do you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I do own stock. So did you buy it when it was, like, at its, like, $7? Yep. Is that when you bought it? I think, that's I, what bought I, it, I think I bought it, like, around 8 or 9 Okay. So did you end up buying all of it then and then just riding with it? Or did you kind of accumulate it over time? No, it's just like I bought a, just like you said, I just bought a little bulk share of it when it was cheap. Cause like when I got with the bank that I'm with now, they offered me some free, uh, you know, for a certain span of time for however many trades I forgot, whatever it was, they, they waived the trade yeah. fee. So I didn't have to pay mm-hmm. like the $8 to do trades. I could just buy whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I mean I'll, I'll tell the story. So I got, like, I used to work for the Red Cross and, for all those people out there listening, non-profit means the company can't show a profit. doesn't mean the company employees don't get paid. Exactly. So I'll just say it at that. Um, so I got my bonus and it was like, it was very, it was lucrative. And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't want to buy more material items and stuff. I have a shoe addiction. I'll talk about that here in a sec. But I'm like, you know, WWE stock is like six fifty. <laughs> it was like shit. It was like dumpster stuff. Like it was bad. And I'm like, I'm a wrestling fan still. I, I buy the pay-per-views. I go to the house shows. I'll go to a pay-per-view show if it's in my town. Let me buy the stock because they always, Warren Buffett says this. 
buy stock in companies that you use. Mm-hmm. Don't buy shares for things you don't know anything about. So if you drink Coca-Cola, buy Coca-Cola. If you buy that, if you wear Nikes, buy Nike. If you wear Adidas, buy Adidas. So you watch WWE, buy WWE. You know the product. You know the ups and downs. You know the ins and outs. You know how the business works. So I bought as much as I could for the money I was willing to spend at the time. And it was good. It turned out to be a very good investment given the, the stocks now trading at the 20, I don't know, was it $21 today? Yeah. So I bought a lot of it then just because it was like $6. You know, it's really cheap. And so I never thought about it as being this like nest egg that I could, you know, make something out of and retire uh, all that stuff. And it just turned into, I started to research television rights and I was like, Oh my God, these guys draw better ratings than the NBA Mm. on most nights. They have to get a lucrative $400 million a year TV deal. The stock's going to go through the roof. I'm going to, I'm going to, I can retire. It's going to be great. But then they introduced the network, which kind of fucked everything up because if they went for the TV deal before they launched the network and got as much money as they could, it would have been like, Oh my God, then they could have rolled out the network, but they went the other way. They rolled the network and they bastardized their pay-per-view because you know, I'd always tell this to people, like, I don't just look at the WWE as a fan. I, I look at it as an investor because, you know, I have shares. So it's like I have to see things that make sense business-wise. Mm-hmm. So I don't just look at a character who could who could draw money as somebody who just draws money. I look at them as, okay, I want the stock to go up. So the more you put this person on TV, the more merchandise they sell, the more it'll help the stock. So anyways, you know, just like you did, I bought it. And I was just like, man, this is such – a bad stock like it was just a terrible stock in the in the aughts in the mid 2000s mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden they started to pick up steam with tv deal because everybody knew wwe still draws three four million a night and nba doesn't draw two three four million out every game but they're gonna get two billion dollars or whatever it is they get a year and it's like whoa wwe's gonna get this and they didn't because they introduced the network first. And I always felt like as an investor, if I were like, okay, so hear me out here. If I was Vince McMahon and I owned the WWE, this is how I would have launched the network. Mm-hmm. You pay $9.99. You get every pay-per-view except Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and WrestleMania. You got to buy those. You get everything else. But those three pay-per-views, you still have to pay 50 bucks a month. Are fifty bucks to get. Now, even if they did three hundred thousand on those pay per views, think of how much more money they would have made. Yeah. Like you're a wrestling fan, would you have paid for WrestleMania? Would you have paid fifty bucks? Uh, honestly. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. It just depends. Um, this year I would probably paid the cash for it. If you know, okay. if, if, if the network wasn't around today, I would have paid cash for this WrestleMania. You would have paid for this one, but, yeah. but there are some you like. But you would pay like I would pay for the Royal Rumble every year. Yeah, I, I would probably Be- do that because I love the Royal Rumble. But my point is that they went so cheap so quick just to get people. And then the other thing that drives me crazy is the free promotion stuff. Like, get rid of that. Like. 
everybody gets a free month. Yeah, because like I had um, I had it from day one, and it yeah, was like a, yeah, it was like um, a commitment. You had to have it for so many months before you can cancel it. And then um, um, once they start doing the month to month deal or whatever, and um, it was like all right, you can get a free you know month or whatever if you weren't an existing member. And I was like, okay, that kind of sucks. So. <laughs> I had to re. I I made a new email account, and I just wanted to um, <laughs> put all my bills and all my emails traffic for my bills on that new account. So I went over and I changed it to the new email and everything. I got a free month, <laughs> and that was like I just went into the settings and changed my email address, and I got a free month. <laughs> so. I was like you. Day one, I signed up, but I had to sign up for six months at nine ninety nine automatic withdrawal. Yeah, and it had to be a debit card, or sorry, it had to be a credit card, or it had to be like a bank account. It couldn't be like a pay, a prepaid card or anything like that. Yep. So I have never not known what it's like to get a free month. I think you know what? No, no, they gave me a free month once because what happened was is when you first got it. Yeah, I think you paid for thing. five months and you got the, the six month free. Yeah. And I remember what happened is I didn't know you had to actually click on the automatic renewal button. So I remember one day, you know, it's just a nightly routine I did. I, I went and I watched, I watched the match, whatever, and it would work. So I called the customer service and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I didn't not pay my bill. And they're like, well, you don't have the service. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, well, you didn't press automatic renewal. I'm like, okay, well, whatever that button is, just make sure it's pressed for life because I'll have this thing <laughs> for life. And so it always bothered me, like, people would use other people's login. But I, I, I'll i say this, man. You could bring this up tomorrow on the show. If I were WWE, you know what I would do? I wouldn't advertise my subscribers. I would advertise the eyeballs that watch the product. I would say, you know what? Yeah, I have 1.9 million subscribers. But 4 million people watch the damn product because exactly. people use multiple yeah, – everybody's login. Because if I'm an advertiser, I'm marketing, I'm on Wall Street, I don't really give a shit about your subscribers. I care about your eyeballs and your reach. Yep. So I would advertise it that way. But that's why I'm more passionate about people who I think should get pushed don't get pushed because I have stake in this company. Like, I, yeah, do I own Triple H type shares or Vince type? No, I don't. But got enough. I, but I always tell people, if you spend oh, – I'll just use this number as it, it might be real, it might not. But let's say you buy something for five grand. It eventually becomes 30 grand. You're invested mm-hmm. because you want that thing to be 50 grand. <laughs> you want that thing to be 100 grand, right? Like, of course, as a shareholder, you bought it at nine bucks. Nothing would make you happier than tomorrow. You know, your your broker calls you or you go on – um, you go on Yahoo or whatever you use to look at your stocks. You say, "Oh my God, it's fifty-two bucks." Jeez, this is a blue chip stock. Yep. This isn't just trying to make it. This isn't the little engine that could anymore. This is a blue chipper. This is this is big. This is big bucks. And so, you know, whether it's the the Sasha or it's the it's the constant like Robin Rage has to be this good guy or. We have something white hot 
in uh, oh CM Punk 2011, and they don't just go all the way with it. It drives me crazy because it's like, aren't you guys trying to make money? Aren't you a publicly traded company? Don't you have investors who like scrutinize your decision making? Like, if I was an investor, but the problem is the guys who have real investment in WWE, they don't know anything about the product. They just look at it as a commodity. Mm-hmm. So I've always said to myself, my goal is to get enough shares where I could actually have a dent at these board meetings. Like I could come in and say, okay, hey, I know about your product. Why do you not do this? Why do you do this? Why aren't you doing it this way? Because like I said all the time, man, like you have rate you have somebody who can generate ratings and generate merchandise and all that stuff. You gotta let them ride. You gotta ride the hot hand. Like I, I use this analogy all the time. If LeBron, uh, I hate this, drives you crazy. Like people say, "Oh, you got to stop whining about your girl. She's only she's twenty five years old. She's already made evented pay per views. She's already made evented draws. She's been like one of the biggest women's stars of all time at twenty five. Like, what do you want out of her? Do you want her to just be pushed till she's thirty? Like, give it some time. Okay. Does LeBron James sit on the bench at twenty five because he's twenty five? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. Mm-hmm. If somebody is good, age should not matter. But why does it matter in wrestling? Like it matters. Because I've always heard and I've always read reports and people have told me that like, oh, we got to push Charlotte now because she's 32. She doesn't have too much more years left. Yeah. We got we to gotta push Nia Jax because she's 32. We got to push Becky because she's 32. But Sasha and Bailey, they're 25, 26, so they, they got a long way to go. But you're not promised tomorrow, and somebody could cool off real quick. So when you have a hot head, you've got to ride the hot head, and that's what drives me crazy. That's the only criticism I have of the WWE. I think they've done a fantastic job of building their talent pool, their depth. You're an investor, so you you hope this happens. You want them to buy Ring of Honor. I, I heard you say it on the show you're, you're like right <laughs> because, so now it makes sense why you were like yeah i want to see them by shimmer and i want to see them by ring of honor oh, and i, see I them mean by all stock, everything all stock aside man i mean i want that to happen regardless because <laughs> like I mean, you want for, that for, for me man there's more I, I want to be i want i want more wrestling I mean, not just specifically WWE, even though that's the main product that I watch. I want all the wrestlings, and I want it all convenient. I want it all at my motherfucking fingertips. I'm I'm fucking like a pig and shit right now with Lucha Underground. I just roll all over that Netflix account and be like, mm-hmm, Lucha Underground. <laughs> but well, I, want, I want all the things. I don't want to damn buy the fucking fight app in the eye pay-per-view shit and all this <laughs> other bullshit. I just want it all in one fucking place. And I just want to turn on my Xbox, my phone, my tablet, my laptop, my TV, whatever the fuck I want to use that day, and just click what the fuck I want to watch. But but that's the thing, though. You said it on the episode of The Pipe Bomb I was on that made so much sense to me, and it resonated with me. And I didn't even realize I was like that. You said something, because I have a Rain Man memory, so I don't forget anything. And you're like... (laughs) Well, shit, I'm the opposite. I'm not... Well, you the Rain Man, I'm like the Sun Man or something. It's dry as fuck over here. (laughs) You said, I want as much wrestling as I can get at my fingertips. Mm-hmm. I want to go into one app, and I want to get everything. I don't want to go to 10 apps and have to look around. Like I want to go to WWE Network, and I want to get Ring of Honor. 
and I want to get New Japan, and I want to get Lucha Underground, and I want to get Shimmer, and I want to get Progress, and all the other stuff. Like You're like, I just want to go to this one place, and then kid in a candy store, go wherever I want, exactly. get whatever I want. Because that's what I was saying, As man. A, it should just be like Disney, how Disney bought Marvel, how Disney bought yep. damn LucasArts, how, you know, yep. just... Yep. Just like that. that. And that's the thing. As an investor, you want that because it's a content-driven. It, right now, they're a content-driven company. That's what drives their business is content. Like the app is successful because they put content on it. The, the product is successful because it's easy to get your hands on. And the more they put on there, like you're right. Like I love Ring of Honor. I, I lived in Chicago for six years. I went to so many Ring of Honor shows. You know, I seen a match with El Generico, for those of you out there, that's Sami Zayn, and Kevin Steen against the Briscoes, and they beat the shit out of each other. And I think about it, like how much did these guys get paid this night? Five hundred bucks, a thousand dollars maybe? But they like went through tables, barbed wire. It was it was it was it was a really kind of hectic match it was just all over the place but the point i'm trying to make is i love ring of honor but i'm not paying 35 dollars now when i get the wwe network for 10 bucks a month i'm just not doing it exactly like you're not getting me to pay 35 dollars for adam cole versus you know marty Skrull or you know for hardy versus (laughs) um young bucks because guess what like yeah the young bucks are cool they sell merchandise but they're not that cool. They're not $35 cool. Like, I'm not paying $35 a month or a pay-per-view for Ring of Honor. And then, like, New Japan now has their version of the WWE Network, which is New Japan World, where you get that for 10 It's actually less than 10 bucks a month American. It's like nine thirty American. Yeah. And so I bought it to watch the the, the New Japan show, the, the what's it called, Wrestle Kingdom Wrestle show. Kingdom. And then I'm kinda, I kind of realized now, like, shit, I don't use this thing at all. Like, mm-hmm. I watch it every once in a while but wwe has so much stuff now that there's not enough hours of the day for me to watch everything <laughs> and then like this <laughs> it and then the, what i was saying about that app, <coughs> like, we, we, we we jump on wwe neck because of the shitty ass movies that they make right but if they threw all them shits on the network dog that would be fucking great man put it this way they my biggest frustration and not only a consumer but as a, as a, as a shareholder is that they waste a lot of money on dumb programming. Like nobody gives a shit about what camp WWE. Hey, I thought that was all yeah. right. But if they would have kept, but up, it was expensive. But it was expensive. Yeah, because it's they expensive. Went, they went third party though. They got um, fucking Seth, Seth Green, Seth in Green, the Rooster Teeth or whatever the fuck guys do that shit. But like animation is not cheap. No. And so like they spend a lot of money on WWE story time. But like to me, and maybe I'm just an old school wrestling fan in this sense. Okay, broadcast one house show a week. Like just broadcast a house show one a week. Turn your camera on, you tape them anyway, and just say, "Oh, we're in Lake Charles, Louisiana for a house show. We're just gonna randomly throw it on the network." Yeah, I mean, and then like people- I mean, a lot of the old shit, man. Like we, the King of the Ring, they could do a whole yeah. King of the Ring special, like full out tournament on the network, no problem. Like yeah, sixteen like, man bracket. Like I always tell people, like the thing I love about, like I like Ride Along, but it's so badly acted. Like it's so bad. It's not even like bad that is good. It's like 
I really doubt that Miz and Dolph Ziggler get in a car together and literally talk about a match they had with Sami Zayn. I guess it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I feel like a, a real episode of Ride Along would be them talking about getting buried by booking. Like, that would be oh, yeah. a real episode. But they're not going to show that. But the, the thing that I want to see more of is I want to see Ride Along stuff with more women. Like, I think they have probably the deepest women's roster they've ever had. And I'd like to see more of them on shows. Like, I want to see, like, forget about Total Divas. Like, uh, that's what it is. But, yeah. like, I want to see them trading. Like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna show you Charlotte in the gym training for 30 minutes. And you could just watch her work out or something like that. Like, something that would be different because you have to take advantage of your personalities. And I think they could do a better job. Some of the shows they have are great, but some of them suck. Like, yeah. Yeah, like I hate what, uh, what story I, time. What I, what I did dig or whatever, they didn't really keep up with it was um, the Superstar Inc. You liked that show? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. How they, it know, was good. I liked it. It, didn't, it wasn't even long or whatever. There was like fucking 15, 20 minutes or whatever, even if the, if that. And you can just like burn through a lot of them. I mean, because I mean, shit, you can only talk about tattoos for so long. <laughs> but I kind of like that, though, like the one where they went with AJ Styles to the tattoo parlor and he got the tattoo or the one with Charlotte about her brother and yeah. the one about Roman Reigns and his family. And like, I kind of like those shows. I do. I like when I get to see who they are like. OK, so, you know, I'm a sneakerhead and, you know, coming soon to something near you i'm gonna launch a sneaker podcast where i'm gonna get you know just different people that i know through that industry who talk about kind of the cultural impact of shoes oh i gotta i gotta guess for you if you whenever you launch dog he is, oh absolutely he is a sneakerhead to the heart I, I had him on my show one time i served with him in the marine corps and he was literally podcasting from his closet and he had pile well not piles because you don't pile up your shoes he had racks and racks of shoes behind him in his closet he had a you, you get books about shoes mm-hmm. you know oh he, i got books about shoes i got dvds about shoes yeah. but you and him would get along I, great so com- <laughs> like complex right complex has this thing called sneaker shopping where they take like a celebrity and they go to a sneaker store and they buy shoes and then they talk about it and then they talk about why they like this shoe, whatever. So I've been, you know, reaching out to the guys at Complex. And I'm like, look, I watch your show. Every, I watched every episode. I think it had like 60 episodes. I watched all of them. But I've given them this idea for four months. But if the WWE Network is listening to this podcast, they need to do this. So hey, I say, hey, whoa, whoa, like I fuck, whoa, 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 hold on. Fuck that. If the WWE is listening to this podcast, sponsor me, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fuck what he talking about. Sponsor him. this show. <laughs> <laughs> or hire him. No, hire you. Yeah, that too. <laughs> hire, hire Rob. You got Sam so, Robert's crazy hair yeah. looking ass up there. Oh, Roberts, Rosenberg. So my idea was I want to see Bailey and Sasha go sneaker shopping together. Man, I want to see them go underwear shopping together. <laughs> okay, right. I, I Yes, I don't. I, I'm sure that would get much more hits than them going to buy sneakers but you know you know this and i'm sure matt hope he talks about it tomorrow on the pipe bob and me and matt gave sasha a pair of jordans oh shit yeah i did 
We did. Yeah, did absolutely. Take a picture of it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we gave her a pair of Jordan fours. Sweet. And what happened was, is she was very, 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 um, just blown away by us giving her a pair of Jordans. Like she was just like, wow, that was so sweet of you guys. The thing is, she probably wondered how the hell these guys know my shoe size. Exactly. Tell me that that's probably what ended up being like, wait a minute, how the hell do these guys know my shoe size? But we do. And how we know it is, Hey, can't reveal our sources. Well, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I know what happened. Yeah, both went up there together to see her. So whenever Matt was up there, daggone, talking with her and getting his picture taken and everything, you was under the table measuring her feet and shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, actually, somebody who I cannot mention did send me her shoe size. Word. So I believe she's a size, she's a size eight. And so oh, I. It's nice. I I'm looking at her right now. I just sent you the picture. Yeah, I'm looking at it. So I have, I have a friend. I have a friend here. I will not reveal my shoe sources because I will not snitch on him. But my friend here gave got me those Jordans for very good price. The, the regular price on those are $140. I did not pay $140 hmm. or else I would not be married. <laughs> I would be in some real trouble. But I got them for a, a, very, a very good, reasonable price. And so I said, Matt, look, I'm going to buy these. You and I go halves. We buy them. We give them together. He's like, great. So I bought them. I brought them with me from El Paso to Orlando. And I gave them to her. But I was telling the guy, I was telling the guy at Complex, like, come on, man. Like, I want to see her and Bailey go sneaker shopping together. Um, I want to see that. Like, I want to see them do it. That would be so cool. So, you know what? Screw it. WWE, if you're listening to this, sponsor Rob. But do that, like shit, I, I mean, want to see that. The one, the shit. That's four. There's four people for that show that I can think of right off the top of my head that would be great on that show. Those two, because those two, Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Enzo. Enzo is a fucking sneakerhead, dog. And um, fuck. he was on that, sh- but they had Enzo on. The oh, show. they did. Oh, okay. And Enzo. Oh yeah, Enzo spent. It was WrestleMania week, so during SummerSlam week they had Shane McMahon. Oh, I was just and, about to say you know, that but, Shane McMahon too. But, but, but Shane McMahon is Shane McMahon. I mean, he's you know he, he it's Shane. It's not impressive when Shane McMahon spends like a thousand dollars on sneakers because he's Shane McMahon. Yeah. Like you know, it's like your dad. You probably have that in your cup holder in the car. <laughs> Enzo spent like twenty six hundred dollars on three pairs of shoes, and it's crazy because. I was kind of like, damn, Enzo, you need to. I need to hook you up because you paid more for a pair of shoes that I paid less for. So you're a celebrity. You should never be paying more than me. Yeah, motherfuckers should be getting what? given shoes. <laughs> so Enzo was on the show, but like, I like Enzo. He's he's charismatic. He can talk. He sucks at the ring. Let's call it what it is. He sucks. <laughs> he really does. But I, I told the guys at Complex, like, I want to see women. Like, even if it's like. If it's Carmella and, and Bailey or, or, or Carmella and, and Becky or somebody like that. Like, I want to see the women wrestlers do something like sneaker shopping. I don't want to see the Bellas go heel shopping. I could care less for that. But, like, there's a very famous um, custom sneaker designer named Mache, and his Twitter is, like, Mache275. He's, like, very famous. He's made shoes for 
Kobe, LeBron. I don't know. He made it for everybody. Anyways, he's a huge wrestling fan. And so Sasha Banks' is favorite wrestler. And he gave, he made her a pair of custom Jordans. Shit. And so, like, that's where I kind of got the idea from to buy her a pair of Jordans. Because, well, I figured that, hey, this guy designed a pair of Jordans for her. So, hey, let me, you know, let me give her a pair. So I know she has sneakerhead tendencies. So I kind of want to see, you know, I want to see her, you know, buy a pair of sneakers. Yeah. And so I've always felt like WWE could take advantage of their their characters a little bit more, um, you know, with those kind of those kind of shoes. So I, I, you're an investor and you're a fan. What would you like to see different with the WWE network? Everything. <laughs> no. Um... Just, I mean, do more with the network. I mean, obviously, they can stockpile all kind of content on there, but put, you know, if they want, WWE try to pride themselves on being a company, you know, with their fingers in a whole bunch of different pies and everything. You know, they make the movies. They do all this charitable shit. Um, they do all this other stuff other than wrestling. I would like to see more of that on the network. I mean, that's what you have it for, you know? Because, like I said, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind. They, they, they've been doing it since the beginning. But, like, all those documentaries that came out on DVD usually wind up on the network now. Like, the um, the Viper story, the goddamn Ray Mysterio shit, Batista, Shawn Michaels. All those things are popping up on the network. So, I, I'm cool with that. If they want to make those shitty-ass movies, throw them shits on the network. Because, you know why? Nobody gonna see him. Nobody gonna buy him on DVD. You might as well throw him on the network where somebody might get bored one night and be like, "All right, I'll look at this shit." Um, matter of fact, if you're still doing movies, why don't you do some behind the scenes specials of this movie or whatever? I mean, I know you do it on other stuff, but you can put that shit on the network. Put the shit on the network. <laughs> That's what I want. I want more shit on the network. So I just sent you the picture. Oh, that's the ones he made. Yeah, he he made them. He's like, you're my favorite wrestler, and I'm just going to make you a pair of shoes, even though you didn't really ask for it. And he also did her boots at WrestleMania last year. Oh, that's cool. I mean, these shoes right here, they kind of like look like her attire. They got the little spark, the so, studs the, on there, like a coat and everything. But that's why I bought her those Jordans, because it kind of looks like her outfit a little bit. That's what she said. She actually said that. She's like, Oh, these kind of match what I wear. And I'm just like, please wear these shoes on TV. Please wear these shoes on TV. Please. Like, I'm just like in my head praying, like, please, please wear these shoes on Instagram and tag me. Yeah. That would make my year. Forget my week. That would be just like, because, you know, you could go back and look through my Twitter and this happened. So I'm in Las Vegas. And it's my birthday weekend. Well, it wasn't really my birthday weekend, but that's what we called it. And I'm in Las Vegas with the wife, and we go by Las Vegas Fight Shop. And they sell, like, wrestling uh, T-shirts, MMA T-shirts. They sell everything. It's just like this ridiculous store with just all this merchandise. So when you walk into the store, they have two cardboard cutouts, one of Sasha Banks, one of The Rock. And they have it set up where, like, Sasha Banks is in the front and The Rock is, like, behind her. So it looks like The Rock is, like, standing over her like a shadow. Yeah. So I took a picture of it. I put it up on Twitter. 
and I said, look who I see when I come to Las Vegas, you know, The Rock, Sasha Banks at Las Vegas Fight Shop. The Rock actually responded to me on Twitter. Not Sasha, The Rock. Sweet. What and, do you say? And The Rock, he goes, the boss, he goes, it looks like the boss and some uh, tanned photobobber <laughs> with a, with, <laughs> with a bad haircut, right? Because he's making fun of himself. Yeah. And I got, and it's the most likes I ever got. I got like eight, 900 likes on Twitter, but then Sasha actually retweeted my tweet and favorited it. But she only did that because The Rock did it. Because, you know, like I love Sasha Banks, but The Rock is the biggest star in the world. So, you know, yeah. it's like, oh my God, The Rock retweeted this guy. I might as well retweet him too. But like The Rock, that's what I was crazy. I did that so Sasha could respond to me. And The Rock actually responded to me, which is like the craziest thing because like I never think The Rock would respond to me. There's just no way. Yeah, I don't think many people will respond to me on Twitter. <laughs> right? But like I The Rock responded buttons. to me. And I was like, holy shit. Like The Rock responded to me. But it was crazy because that tweet took out a life of its own because I'm in Vegas that whole weekend. And then that was the weekend where the Monday Night Raw was in L.A. where Sasha won the title. So I was in Vegas, went to the Puff concert, the Bad Boy Reunion Tour. My wife took me as, as my gift. Um, you know, I took the picture – I tweeted it on a Sunday, and then Monday I'm going to L.A., and I just got my mentions, and it's like blowing up. And I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like, oh, my God, The Rock retweeted, replied to me. Like, he responded to me, and everybody started to retweet it. So I get to L.A., and I see Sasha with the title. So it's just like crazy that that happened. Like, The Rock on Twitter, Sasha with the title, and it happened the same weekend, which is crazy to think. And Puff, and that's crazy. Puff responded to my tweet about his concert that same weekend. So I had Puff, The Rock, and Sasha in the same weekend. It was like, I, you know how you have the movie Groundhog Day? That's what I want as my Groundhog Day. I want those three <laughs> days to replay over and over again because I'm on vacation. You know, work is, you know, I'm not at working. I'm, in a, I'm at a Puff concert Saturday, got a pair of Yeezys. Sunday, I'm with the wife. We're having dinner with with a friend, a friend of ours. Monday, I'm in Raw watching Sasha with the title, and Charlotte did the crazy corkscrew the first time. Oh yeah, she did the. I have the video of it, and she did the corkscrew the first time. So I always tell people she didn't do it first time at WrestleMania. She did it at the Staples Center, mm. but that's the night I realized how big a star Sasha could be because it's in L.A. This is not Podunk, Mississippi. This is L.A. And she had more sides, more T-shirts, more cheers. I, there were men in front of me who had the Sasha, will you marry me sign. I, I, I offered a guy $30 if I could hold the sign, but he wouldn't give it to me. <laughs> so it was like all these guys were just in love with her. And I was like, I, I, I was telling Matt, but Matt, she's, she's star. Like, oh, my God. Like, this is she's money in the bank. So when she won the belt, I'm like, oh, here we go. We're going to ride her. To WrestleMania, she's gonna lose to Bailey. They're gonna rekindle their feud, and it just never happened. But man, it was it was a good weekend. Like to see, and, and look, I say a lot of things about Charlotte, but Charlotte's fantastic in the ring, and to see her live in person and what she's capable of is ridiculous because she is she is genetically superior. I mean, she really is. That's not a catchphrase. Yeah. She really is like a ridiculous athlete like the stuff she could do 
she's she's on some stuff. So besides putting their really bad movies on, if you could make a show for the network, what would you do? Like hmm. what show would you come up with? Hmm. Shit, I would do um I have all kind of stuff. I mean, they I, shit, up up down down that YouTube series, that's a good thing that you could put some some shows kind of like that on the network. Um shit, get some damn you ever seen that show Wipeout? Yeah. Well, get some shit like that on there with superstars on it. Whatever. Get, get something better than that uh fucking swerved bullshit. I oh, mean, that's terrible. Hell, get some um more reality shows on the network. Um shit, what else? What else could we do? I don't know. I mean just pick a superstar, give him a show. <laughs> But more than anything, it's just like what I was saying before, more access to other, you know, wrestling is what I'm more concerned about. So do you want them to buy Ring of Honor? I wouldn't mind it. I think they have to, to be honest. They just, you know, and I'm sure you read it, you know, they they took out a $200 million loan last year, you know, because they want, you know, obviously to do something with $200 million. I mean, they took it out for a reason. I just feel like that $200 million is going to be Ring of Honor, Progress. Yeah, I believe so. Because, I mean, look at all the stuff they're branching out to do. I mean, they got the Women's Tournament (laughs) tournament coming up this summer. They just uh, did the European, uh, the UK tournament. And then they're supposedly supposed to be making a show for that. Then um, the partnership with Progress. um, Shit. Just um, the stock of talent that they have in the WWE right now that came from Ring of Honor. I mean, that's money in the tape library. So when they make these video packages, I'll do documentaries and all kinds of stuff. They can have at their fingertips. That's kind of what we want to see. right? You want them to buy Ring of Honor because I can get that Samoa Joe CM Punk match on the network. Yeah. Shit. I wouldn't mind if they bought TNA. I don't give a shit. Just give me all the things. Give me what I want. <laughs> if I was a financial investor, if I was like not a financial consultant, sorry, for WWE, I would tell them to spend a lot of money on TNA's tape library because I get Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. I get three Sting. years of Christian. I get Sting. I get Samoa Joe. I get AJ Styles. I get, you know, I get, the, I get some Hardy. I get the broken mat stuff. I get, I get a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, but I don't want the company. Like to me, it's like kind of when they bought WCW. Like mm-hmm. the company WCW wasn't worth anything, but the library was. So that's what they paid for. I would pay. I would overpay for TNA's tape library, but then I would just the company would be done the next hour. Like it would be done. Like there would be no Impact Wrestling. There would be no Anthem. I mean, I might do an Invasion angle, but I would never keep that production going because that thing loses money every week yeah well, well but i would keep ring of honor though yeah i would keep ring of honor because ring of honor has a model that works yeah that that's kind of what my thing was is like if they could buy out all these different companies have them work independent of the wwe you know i mean just let them resume business as usual but they just fall up on the wwe like if they did buy or do a full buyout of tna they could probably work on trying to get them a better deal or try to fold it into the network maybe. 
But I mean, for them to just kind of resume business as usual, I don't think that would be a good look. So I have a friend who works for a shoe company and it's one of the big ones, but it's not Nike. So you could, anybody out there could take a guess uh, on what shoe company it is, but he has told me. Shacks. No, stop paying us. <laughs> but he has told me that he had an idea of going to the WWE. And this is before Rosenberg did his shit with Puma. Yeah. He wanted Sasha, Becky, Bailey, and Charlotte to be like to to be like to create a line of women's athletic sneakers around them. So it would be like, this is how the commercial would go. So if anybody steals this idea, I know where you got it from. <laughs> okay. So as I was saying, the whole marketing campaign, this idea that apparently he or his team or whoever presented is, the commercial would be something like this. They say what I do is fake. They say I'm not a real athlete. But they would they would have the the four horsewomen talking, but they would in the background have clips of them like Sasha getting dropped on her head, or you know Charlotte getting black eye, or Bailey getting her head broken, and it would just be talking. It would just pretty much talk about how well everybody says it's fake, how what they do is real athletic, and then they would have a shoe at the end of it, and the whole thing would have been like. Sasha would have her colorway, Becky would have hers, Bailey would have hers, Charlotte would have hers, and you would release these shoes in Charlotte, England, San Jose, and Boston, and you would do like a limited edition kind of drop where you have to be in those cities to get these shoes. Oh, and I don't, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what someone told me. That they went to WWE with this idea and they were like, well, we own 50% of tap out, so we can't do that. But what about do, and it's like, they were trying to tell them tap out's not cool. Like no one wears tap out. No. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like little kids don't want to buy tap out. Especially like, so, um, like that, um, that booming, uh, social media platform that had, uh, tout. <laughs> Yeah, that didn't. Um, Skip Bayless was the only person of of any notoriety that used tout. And well, if Skip Bayless is using something, it's probably not going to do well. Mm-hmm. It, you know, in terms of uh, being popular, because he's not exactly the most loved guy. So the thing is, though, tap out is not cool. And so the thing that I've always said is they got to let their guys go, branch out. And look for other opportunities. Cause like if I work in marketing and you know, and this idea that I just said on your show, never said it to anybody else. I haven't even told people off air is, you know, I kind of told my friend, I'm like, this is what I would do. And he literally took a lot of my idea and just went and presented it to his, his bosses. And they went and they ran it up the flagpole, as they say. And it was the, that's a great idea, but. It has to be tap out affiliated. It's like, oh, no one's gonna buy tap out shoes. Like, no one cares. Like, no kids are gonna buy tap out. No sneaker heads are gonna buy tap out. But isn't that a brilliant marketing idea? Indeed. Like, what did that be? So, my thing is, they have to get out of this world of like, 
they they can't just say okay we have to approve everything you do they got to let them kind of branch out if they really want they got to let more people be cena they got to let more people kind of get mainstream yeah, notoriety it was kind of it was that bullshit that punk was talking about with the um slim jim came to him and then damn um what was the other place that came to him that he could have had a deal with and they shut that shit down but he had multiple opportunities outside of the company you know to get sponsorship or somebody to give him a, you know some kind of deal or whatever and it was like nah <laughs> i just i guess they just hell bent on doing everything their way you know but that's the thing though he made 750 million dollars in revenue last year which is which is a tremendous amount of revenue. And that's the thing that I was saying on the episode of the pipe mob, which is like, and I don't even think this stuff made air. In fact, no, it was when we paused, Yeah, it was when we which was done. like, I looked at new Japan's revenue. It's like $31 million. So people are talking about new Japan being like this. Oh my God, they're coming for, no, they're not coming. Like 30, if the WWE made $31 million in a month, that would be a big letdown. You know, like if they only made $31 million in a month in revenue, that would be like, they people would be fired. But, but New Japan, that's what they made in a year. That was their revenue for a year. Shit, I mean, WWE wiped their ass with that shit. <laughs> right. Like I, I said it off, I, I didn't make air, but I said like, if somebody were to come to you and say, John Cena made almost that much last year, you wouldn't, you wouldn't doubt it. No. You'd be like, so... I, I was asking my friend who, you know, kind of knows the business. And I'm like, okay, so explain something to me. In all these dirt sheets, Meltzer and all these other guys, well, really Meltzer, but everybody steals from him. And they, they follow him because they're sheep. He says the top guys in New Japan make more than the mid-card guys in WWE. But the math doesn't work for me. How do you do that? Because if $31 million is your revenue... What's your balance sheet for expenses mm-hmm. if you're paying top guys WWE type money? Like, is Kenny, Kenny? I doubt Kenny Omega makes more money than Dolph Ziggler. I doubt it. Like, it, I would be stunned if Kenny Omega made that much money. Because where do you get the money from? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a weird thing. I don't think any company can touch WWE. I mean, they got like I said, they it's they don't just make money off of wrestling. I mean, that's their main source, but th- that's not the only thing they making money off of. Uh, freaking licensing, freaking copyright, all that bullshit they make money off of. Even the, the old shit, they still probably make money off of NWO and all this other bullshit. So. According to this, Okada's New Japan contract was $2.2 million, and that's the biggest. Mm-hmm. That is literally 10 – that's like 8% of their revenue goes to one guy. So to put that in perspective for all you math people out there, if the WWE made $750 billion – John Cena would be getting like $57 million a year, which he's not getting. You know, The Rock is making you know, $57, $60 million a year. So it just doesn't make sense to me how you could spend one – how can you spend 8% of your revenue on one guy? It's just like – I don't know. Like to your point, nothing can touch WWE. They're just this machine 
that is so much bigger than everything else that it's it's like when people talk about how this wrestling promotion is better or this is coming like there's a reason that no matter how much I as a fan complain about my favorite wrestlers not getting booked a certain way, those same wrestlers off camera would probably put me aside and said, are you kidding? You think I'm going to leave this place for the indies? Fuck that shit. Like, no, no matter how many times uh, Sasha loses on pay-per-view, she ain't going to shimmer. No. <laughs> <laughs> She ain't taking that pay cut. Like, you know, that merch check is probably more than what she's going to make in Shimmer in a year. So it's just, it's just when you make it to the WWE and you, you, you get a character that sells merchandise, that's it. That's the money. And so I, I tell people all the time, man, like WWE is, it's like playing in the NBA and then they tell you you're going to Sioux Falls in the developmental league. That's the equivalent of going to these other promotions. It's developmental. Yeah. That's it. Oh, like, like LeBron ain't playing in the D-League. Oh, shit, I put Sasha in the D-League, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll say this much, man. I don't get too many free I, I, I do not, you know, my, my wife knows, that, you know, that's the one girl, woman, woman out there that it's just like, I'm completely jello around, you know, just she's, and she looks really good in person. Have you seen the picture? You saw the picture of Matt, right? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I got it in my I, phone. Ain't that weird? <laughs> I, I won't send out my picture yet because I, Matt seen it, but cause he was there. I'm like Matt, my hair isn't even like combed properly. Like how embarrassing. Like I got like an S curl thing hanging out of the front of my hair. Cause I didn't have hairspray and I forgot to like, you know, I combed my hair, but I didn't spray it, and so it, like it fizzed because of the sweat in Orlando, and like I looked so nervous, it was so bad. You know, it's just a funny story now, but she's uh, she's a very good looking woman in person. Oh yeah, I believe it. She she, she looks the part. <laughs> now, and um, I'll say this much. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you good. Yeah. Naomi looks good too. And wow, two hours and some change, and that's only half an episode. Uh, granted, I had shitload of voicemails this episode and everything, which I do appreciate. And um, man, there it is. We kind of left you on a cliffhanger there. We ended off with um him confessing that Naomi is a fine piece of woman. Boy, I tell you what. And I couldn't agree with it. I had to end the episode right there because shortly thereafter, we're going to talk about our current top five greatest waterfalls currently in WWE. And if you don't get the waterfall reference, you're going to have to listen over to the pipe bomb with McCool and company only on the NAI network to see what we're talking about. Uh, you can only imagine if we're talking about uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi and all that stuff, you can uh, kind of put two and two together and figure out what we mean when we say waterfalls. <laughs> and I ain't talking about the kind that you don't go chasing. You want to chase these, baby. Anyway, it was great to have HR on the podcast. And um, I'm not going to actually say what his name is until you listen to part two and figure it out for yourself because it would be kind of burying the lead. And I don't want to do that. 
but we talked about Sasha Banks. He is a shareholder in this company. He's trying to amass enough stock <laughs> so he can take over the world and shit or have at least some valid input or whatever. But hey, man, I only got a few. I ain't got enough to daggone be writing home about or anything. I just kind of got them because I could. I never bought stock before in my life. And the first stock I ever bought was in WWE. <laughs> so there it is. That's why I bought some because I could. And I was like, fuck it. Why not? But yeah, let's wrap this thing up. I got to get up in a couple hours and go to work. All right. As always, you can find me on Twitter at it's B Rob. That's I T S B R O B. If you want to talk professional wrestling and all kinds of other types of shenanigans, that's the Twitter handle that you use. I also post wrestling gifts and all kind of other crazy things that are still from other places. Because <laughs> I ain't got the patience for, uh, you know, making gifts. And another reason is I don't fucking know how. So there it is. Truth in advertising, people. Also, the show has a Twitter. You can follow it at, wait for it, R. R R underscore podcast. That's three R's underscore podcast for anything pertaining to the show. Retweets about guests and anything else. That's random. Random. I haven't did that in a while. I need to bring that back. But anyway, I got a website. It is random robcast.com for anything else pertaining to the show especially the homepage to where you can find all manners of ways to help support the podcast and help it grow and become something big. I got Amazon links. You click that, it'll take you to Amazon and you go ahead and buy stuff and I get a little kickback on the end. It doesn't cost you extra and it helps out the show. I sound like a fucking advertisement for podcast one, but Hey, I'm trying to get my point across. It's just simple as that. Also, you have merchandise which I need to update on the Facebook page, but hardly anybody go to the Facebook page. Anyway, I have a Facebook page. Look up Random Rounds with Rob. And um, I have merchandise, T-shirts and everything like that that you can purchase for the low, 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 like $15 for a Random Rounds with Rob T-shirt. That's pretty cheap <laughs> compared to other places. And um, my wife wrote a book. You can find a book on there. Download it to your chosen mobile device and read about the things and stuff. Um, you can give me money straight up <laughs> if you want to. I got a donate button. I got an Amazon wish list for all kinds of items for the show. And I mean, I'm not trying to beg you or anything, man. If you want to, you can. You don't have to. I'm not requiring you to, but the help goes a long way. You're giving to me to give back to you. And speaking of another way that you can help out with the show, I have a patron account not patreon <laughs> a patron account with podbean and i got my first contributor oh man i seen the email come up i was like oh, what is this real is this real life right now are we are we best friends <laughs> but yeah shout outs to b mac brandon mac on twitter that's not his twitter handle but that's you know that's his name so Shout outs to him, man. And um, I appreciate the contribution. I got some stuff coming your way in the mail. I appreciate you so, so much. So, so, so much. You, you was the first one. You was the first 
official motherfucker of Random Rams with Rob podcast. He is the first one to gain access to the Instagram account that I made for people who contribute. What I'm going to be doing on that specific Instagram account is um, giving away stuff, um, digital codes to movies and everything. Um, I might be doing some Xbox Live uh, currency currency <laughs> like they still do like the microsoft points or some playstation network um gift cards and um may have some raffles if i get something a little bit larger so you're getting something back baby and you know i'll keep tabs on you if you're a constant contributor and give you things and all kind of stuff because i appreciate you i appreciate you a lot especially you bmac you the man awesome and shit voicemails you heard a slew of voicemails send me a voicemail it can be about anything it can be about your podcast tell me a random story if you're an artist of any kind you got music um you want to plug a movie and everything send me a voicemail shoot us some info about your craft i mean this is what this show is for it's for you from me to you or whatever that was weird trying to say it like that but yeah this is for anybody that does anything creatively and for anybody that just want to talk that random shit anybody's welcome on the show come on over doors open leave a light on for you like motel six but if you come in while i'm asleep you might get some lead in your ass <laughs> all right that's it that's it i'm done um i appreciate everybody for listening tune in for part two of um this podcast with uh, King Ajar is not coming up next week. It'll be the week after, but coming up next week is local Houston comic, the Miss Foxy, the Miss Foxy, Foxy. She's I just said she a local Houston comic right here in H Town where I live at, and we have a great conversation. You're gonna love it. It's bigly. It's huge. It's episode sixty nine. <laughs> so I had to have a lady for episode sixty nine. Anyway, I done ran my mouth enough. I'm about to upload this thing to Podbean. And thank you once again, everybody, especially you, B-Mac. And I'll see you next time.